Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning. I'm back. Better than ever. Not really better than ever, if we're being completely honest. My voice, you know, hey, I actually feel perfectly fine. It's just that it sounds like I've been smoking Marlboro Reds for the past 20 years. Cowboy Two packs a day. Virginia Slim Light 120s is what my mom used to smoke. And which is why I've never smoked a day in my life. is because I just can't stand the smell of cigarette smoke. Because that's just what I've had to smell my entire childhood. But that's here nor there, I think is the term I'm looking to use. This is Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. Perhaps if you're a smoker, you could probably pick one of those up at United Dairy Farmers. But Tom is out today. He'll be back tomorrow, we are told. So you're stuck with me. I've been on a trip for quite some time. We won't get into that. Yes, I had a good time. And the Packers won a few games that I didn't think they'd ever win, which made the trip a little more enjoyable. But we come your way every single day, Monday through Friday, from 10 to 12. And you can find us all over the internet. I've been told, supposedly, we're on Rumble. I don't know whether or not we're on Rumble or not. The reason we're on Rumble, though, is because when I put in the, uh, the rundown here on the monologue, is that I said we should be on Rumble, but we're not because we have bad employees. Now, obviously, that's not serious. But Casey obviously took it very seriously because somehow, <laughs> magically, within the 10-minute window of me putting that in there, and us going live, we're magically on Rumble. So congratulations to people that watch Rumble. I've been told not that many people do, nor should we care. But you know what? I guess we are. Got three. Three people watching on Rumble. The three magic. So if this is the first time you've ever seen Off the Bench, it probably would be better to come back another day and watch this show with somebody that actually has a voice and another guy called Tom Brenneman, who's maybe a little bit better at this than me. I don't know. Some maybe say that debatable. I don't think it's debatable at all. You can join us in podcast form. Just search Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman on all the podcast platforms. And I'm sure uh, Kirby's – I almost said Kirby Smart. <laughs> That's not good. Nick Kirby. Kirby is smart. And all the gang well. will probably have that up lickety-split. Legacy is a term often used, though. And that's what I was thinking about this morning coming in. Uh, it's often a term used at the end of someone's career, right? What does this mean for their legacy? Michael going to the Wizards. Everybody, what does this mean for his legacy? Phil joining Liv. Michael Phelps trying to get his eighth gold medal in the same Olympics. Messi winning the World Cup. These are all things that we all discuss around sports about what does it actually mean for their legacy? Well, the Baseball Hall of Fame just announced yesterday they have some new members. Todd Helton is a guy that, uh, that probably boosts some confidence about something that we'll discuss maybe a little bit later in the show if we have time. Joe Maurer was discussed at length yesterday on this show. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer, the third catcher to do so. And you have Adrian Beltre, who... Discussed yesterday, played a very, very long time at a high level and kind of, I don't want to say backdoored his way into becoming a Hall of Famer, but maybe that's what the term you'd like to use. I don't know. But here's the thing about all of those guys. I just don't know 
if I care enough about the Baseball Hall of Fame. Yes, I care about baseball, but I just come in today and I personally could care less. Now, Heldon, to be fair, registers a little bit on the radar of me because why? He spent his whole career in one place, was very similar in nature to a guy like Joey Votto, who we all hope will make the Hall of Fame. Maybe that's the only reason I don't care is because it has no real impact on players that I genuinely enjoyed or loved or anyone that I watched. Yeah, I've seen all those guys, yes. But unlike Reed, I never was enamored by Joe Maurer, and maybe that's just because of the time frame in which they went in, which is, I guess, the old reason of the Baseball Hall of Fame in the first place. But the reason I don't really, I don't want to say care, or the only reason that I would say that it just doesn't mean as much as it maybe should, is that this whole Baseball Hall of Fame is littered with inconsistencies everywhere. There's double standards, there's politics, there's idiotic voting processes. Pete Rose, okay, Barry Bonds, Shoeless Joe Jackson, Roger Clemens, and Alex Rodriguez are not in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Not. But Bruce Suter is. Invented the slider. And you think that we should care about this a lot? Why should I care about a Hall of Fame that doesn't have the guy that has the most hits in it also doesn't have arguably the best player that's ever played ever in Barry Bonds. Imagine having some kind of establishment to where you're supposedly the place that everyone wants to get into, but you ask who's the best player that's ever played, and they're not even in the damn thing. And the reason's going to be because of some external thing that everyone wants to debate about whether they should be in or shouldn't be in. Who cares? It's not a choir. Just put the people in who are good at the sport. If you want to put an asterisk, put an asterisk. If you want to tell the whole story, tell the whole story. You know what's cool about the whole damn thing? Is the people that don't get in the damn thing get talked about more than everyone that gets in. Now, at this very moment, I'm worried whether or not my voice is going to make it two hours, but that's here nor there. <laughs> you sound great. <laughs> Dude, it sounds unbelievably bad, but that's here. Basketball game uh, yesterday? <laughs> Where'd you lose the voice? Uh, no, I, I, I think um, not to sound like a bad person, but uh, yesterday it started. Today I've got into myself into a position where I think um, I'm calling it the bohemian uh, I don't even know if that's the right word to use there. I might sound like an idiot, but the bohemian COVID. I don't know if I have COVID. I don't think I do. I, I'm not going to go get tested. I don't want to make it sound like I don't care about it. It's just that I feel great. My voice, though, mm, I don't know. Maybe I should get it looked into. Uh, speaking of legacies, though, championship weekend is this weekend, as we all know. And I want to talk about one quarterback that if they win this weekend, they should be talked about and put in the upper echelons, the upper echelon group that is quarterback. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. We have mailbag from some student, I'm sure, randomly throughout the city. We have buy or sell 
But before we continue, the last time I was on this show, how could I forget? I was ridiculed and called names in the chat because we did not talk about college basketball. Now, just off the heels of a great moral victory on Tuesday night with the Cincinnati Bearcats going into Fog Allen Fieldhouse and only losing by five, they got outdone last night by the Xavier Musketeers. Now, you might think that this was a big-time win, but by big-time win, usually with Xavier, it's, it's really a loss. And by big-time win, I mean Xavier falls to Creighton 85-78. to that sets their record to 10-9. and nine. They will play number one UConn this Sunday, what sets up to be probably another big-time victory. Now, you know, you might say 85-79 or what, whatever the score ended up being, excuse me. It was a lot closer than that. I, I watched the game. It really genuinely was closer than the score indicated. Now, UK played yesterday. I, I, I remember... People getting on me about UK, telling me about how great they were. And you know what? I think they probably are pretty good. They played last night, too. They played the powerhouse that is South Carolina. Yeah, you don't go into South Carolina. What do they say about, uh, what do they say about South Carolina? Reed? Uh, where is South Carolina located in? Or where is it in Columbia, South Carolina? Uh, Columbia, yeah. You don't go into Columbia right. and expect to walk out with a victory. Especially not on a Tuesday night with 5,000 fans in the stands. But the uh, sixth-ranked Cats, they fell 79-62 to to South Carolina. This is why, for me, I've had a hard time lately, and by lately the last few years, getting into college basketball before football's over because all too often a lot of decent teams get into the tournament. They expanded the tournament. There's the first four now, which I'm not totally against. But we do this every year during tournament time. There, there's this, there's this age-old debate of whether or not some, some team should get in or whether some team shouldn't get in. And let's be honest. If you're on the cut line of getting into the NCAA tournament, you've had an okay year at best. You're not a very good basketball team. Now, if you want to discuss injuries and say, listen, we had a couple guys injured. That's why our record isn't what it is. They're a completely different team now. I could buy the sentiment. And there have been some, you know, last four in, if you want to call it that, teams that have made runs mixed but does that actually does does that actually kind of prove the theory that is the regular season of college basketball is somewhat irrelevant in the first place yeah you have to get in of course you can't lose your games in the regular season and then find yourself with the ability to, to have success in the postseason but it seems like we've gotten ourselves in a position with college basketball that the only thing anyone ever cares about is what you did in March, what you do for the tournament. Mick Cronin's a perfect example of that. Speaking of legacies, if Mick Cronin did not have that run in the NCAA tournament just a short few, uh, few years ago with UCLA, we would probably be discussing, or his legacy would be, that he was somewhat of a fraud when it came to having a team that could play deep into a tournament. It absolutely one would. one right. single run. Right. It absolutely would. Right. Which is, I don't know where you guys want to go this week. Lady and gentlemen now. Can't just say a bunch of guys. So, welcome, Lindsay. Um, I want to discuss one quarterback that I, I think has been... about the same quarterback. That I think has been slept on. I think he's a guy that I overlooked, and that's Jared Goff. Now, you might say to me, oh, man, Jared Goff is, is, is whatever. He's overrated this time. He went 
to a place that everyone goes to die. He was in a Super Bowl. Now, I know that everyone's going to call me a hater and do all these things. And Joe Burrow and Jared Goff's resume are not that far apart. Now, I'm not suggesting that, that, that Joe Burrow won't have a better career than Jared Goff or anything like that. But I think that it just shows as what I'm trying to illustrate is how big of a gap we put those guys in. But when you look at the numbers and you look at what they've accomplished, you could argue, you could argue that if he wins this weekend, he's done very similar things to a Joe Burrow. And it's not, I'm not trying to pull Joe Burrow down. I'm trying to lift Jared Goff up to that same category of people. This guy went to the Lions. Who? Could we all agree that they're worse than the Bengals franchise? Yes or no? We will happily agree with you, yes. I mean, yeah, there's there's like four franchises that are worse than the Bengals, and the Lions are absolutely one of them. I'd argue that the Lions are the worst organization in sports <laughs> history. Right. So he goes to that place. And to be fair, it's not just him, of course. But he goes to that place, and he finds himself in a position where it's not likely. I think that they get steamrolled by the 49ers. But crazier things have obviously happened. If you would have told me that the Packers were going to beat the Cowboys, not only would I have laughed, if you'd have told me that the, that the Packers were kneeing out the game with their backup quarterback in, I would, have, I would have put as much money as I possibly had on whatever you were selling. So clearly things can happen. But if he were to win this game, I think that he has to be included. Has to be included as one of the top quarterbacks. He doesn't. Need, you don't need to put him with... Mahomes, who at this point, I'm like Casey. I think me and Casey are in the same wavelength with Patrick Mahomes. I did think that there was some semblance. This is going to sound terrible to say, but I'm going to say it anyways. Coattail riding with Patrick Mahomes for a little bit of while. It's like I, I couldn't buy the fact that, oh my God, look how great this guy is when he has Tyreek Hill, who's turned out to be clearly one of the best wide receivers not just of the recent years, but maybe, and again, I'm not trying to get too crazy here, but all time, in a short window of time, there's not many guys you take over Tyreek Hill, in my opinion. And he has the greatest tight end of all time in Travis Kelsey. And, oh, by the way, he's got Andy Reid. And he's got a great offensive line. And he plays with a pretty damn good defense. I don't know. That recipe seems like one in which you should win a lot of games. But... This year, and even I would say last year, Mahomes has put him himself into a category of his own. Mahomes this year has done more, in my opinion, this specific year than he's ever done in his career. Because he plays on what I would consider a relatively average, a, maybe a little bit above average football team. And if he finds himself in the Super Bowl again, not only will I not want to watch the Super Bowl because I'm tired of it. But it does make you wonder if the NFL scripted. Anyways. Um, so scripted. That's a joke, that's okay? That's a joke. But behind every joke is a little bit of the truth. That's a kid tip. Um, but am I going to am – I, am, I am I stretching it too far with Jared Goff? Am I giving him too much credit? Uh, n listen, here's the thing about Jared Goff is that – all of the extenuating circumstances that have been around his career to this point have led you into 
the opinion that most of the country has that Jared Goff is a good quarterback. He can win you games, it's clearly, but there's some limitations there. And the reason that is is because we saw the Rams move off of him, right? Sean McVay didn't want him anymore. We, we, we got to upgrade at quarterback. And what, did the, what happened to the Rams after they did that? They won a Super Bowl. So then you're like, all right, well, this Jared Goff guy. But, yeah, absolutely. If he, if he goes to a team in the Detroit Lions and wins an NFC championship, then is Jared Goff a top-five quarterback? No. But he certainly deserves more respect than he has, has gotten to this point. Now, am I going to compare him to do we have here in our hometown? Not quite. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's the first overall pick for a reason. He's now been to two NFC championship games with two different teams. That the list of the the list of quarterbacks that have been to NFC championships or conference championships with multiple teams is very thin. It's very thin. You can count them on your hands. So if he goes to a Super Bowl with two different teams, that list is even more thin. I think there's only three quarterbacks, three or four quarterbacks that have done that before. So yeah, Jared Goff ha has a chance to cement his legacy. And I, I want to if if you're gonna tease opinions. Or if you're going to tease things later in the show, I think that the Lions have a pretty good shot this weekend. I think they have a really good shot this weekend. What makes you think that? Because I think the opposite. The reason that I think that the Lions have a pretty good shot this weekend is because the only reason that we don't look at the Lions as, as much in the way that we view the 49ers at this point is, is two reasons. One, what the teams looked like last year. And two, what the teams have looked like throughout the history of, of, their, of their franchise, right? 49ers, ballyhooed, one of the best organizations in the NFL, right? Lions, bottom of the barrel. We already established that. Out of the four teams currently playing in the conference championship weekend, who has played the worst over the last month or so? It's pretty clearly the 49ers. In fact, the last two meaningful games that they have played – which was against the Ravens when they got blown out on Christmas. And then just last week against the Packers, the last two meaningful games they played, they got outplayed, fully outplayed, bullied at the line, kind of outplayed. It took some, it, it, it took a couple uh, missed field goal and, you know, uh, miracle runs by Christian McCaffrey for them to beat the Packers. So I, I just think that the 49ers, we maybe, maybe overvaluing them a little bit. And I think that Jared Goff's a better quarterback than certainly Brock Purdy. I think, I think we are overvaluing the 49ers, but for that reason, this is where my dumb brain uh, gets a hold of something like this. I, in, in no world do I think this current 49ers team should be seven-and-a-half-point favorites over the Lions. I, I, and despite what I think of the Lions, what they've done in their past, the current Lions are a damn good football team. Their, their defensive line has been elite. They've got two, I would say, two of the best, I would, maybe two top five running backs this year in the NFL. They've got two of them. Uh, the receiving core has been great. Sam Laporta is a, is a warrior battling with a knee brace that's like a whole foot around the knee <laughs> on each side. Um, but I, I, I do think, going back to what Trace was saying about Jared Goff, I, I think there's a testament to starting like brand new. When he came to the – I think his first year was at the St. Louis Rams, right? And then they switched. I'm almost certain. Maybe not. Maybe, no, maybe, maybe Los it, was, Angeles Rams. it was Los Angeles. Well, either way, they were terrible. The Los Angeles Rams were terrible when he took over the helm uh, at starting quarterback. And again, when you when you come back into Detroit, assuming that's like a career-ending move, right? That's what at least everybody else thought. Mm -hmm. It's it's where quarterbacks are sent to die. Um, and, he, and he's come out here, and, and maybe with the help of Dan Campbell, shout out to him, biting kneecaps off and what have you. 
But they've revived now the Lions. That's now two franchises that Jared Goff has been a part of reviving and maybe potentially getting the Lions to a Super Bowl. This would be the second time he's done that, and it would cement a legacy to Trace's point that I think should be recognized as one of the, one of the greats. Maybe, obviously, not a, he's not a top 25 quarterback of all time, but he's a quarterback that should be mentioned with, I don't know, guys like, uh, I'm trying to think. I, I think he's certainly been better than Andy Dalton. If you look at Andy Dalton's entire career, I would take Jared Goff if he gets to another Super Bowl. So, I, I, I agree. I think Jared Goff should be, should be respected more. That was a brave take. That was a brave take. Jared Goff is better than Andy Dalton. Well, I think it is. That's, I, a, that's a brave see, take. There, there's, to me, there's a, a difference between talent and success, right? Obviously, Jared Goff has had way more success than the likes of Andy Dalton. You could even compare it to Joe Burrow and his success. They're very similar quarterbacks in that regard. But in terms of actual talent, what's actually there on the field, I mean, he gets a lot of help. I mean, he's got a top five offensive line. He's, a t- he's got I mean, a he top a- three receiver, a top five tight end, a duo running back that's really phenomenal this year. And then that defense, it's not – it's not a top 10 defense, but Aiden Hutchinson is the real deal. I mean, the last four right. or five games, he's had like eight or 10 sacks. So, yeah, I, I, I like the lines a lot. I think you might be giving uh, Jared, Jared Goff the exact credit he deserves, but I don't think he's um, I, I don't think he's a top 10 quarterback. I think he's right there. If you have him, you can win. If you have anything less than him, you, you're probably not going to win a Super Bowl. Jer- Jer- as, as, a, as a trade in the history of the NFL or, or even sports matter, worked out for both teams better than the Matt Stafford-Jared Goff trade. Like the Rams got a Super Bowl, which right. is what they're trying to do, right? We're, we're going to elevate our quarterback position to see if we can win the big one. They won the big one. The, uh, the Lions said, all right, we'll take all your draft picks and we'll have a you know a stopgap quarterback over the time to, to – uh, to get us over across this bridge and they use those picks and they hit on almost all of them. And now they have, I, I mean, I think this lions team has a, this isn't a flash in the pans lions team. This is a really good roster. I think the lions are good. Yes. But the only thing I would push back on a little bit with, the, with the, the whole notion that Jared Goff has just kind of fallen into a great situation is that it seems as if some quarterbacks get the benefit of the doubt when it comes to their team having success. And some teams are winning because their team is good. Like, that's the same position that Brock Purdy finds himself in. And I'm not suggesting that Brock Purdy is, is a even what I would call a great quarterback. But you, but you have to give credit at some point to the person that's still leading that offense. Jared Goff, by all stretch of the imagination, is not, uh, he's not anywhere near Patrick Mahomes. Put it this way, the three remaining quarterbacks outside of him that are, that are playing this weekend, he clearly is, is much farther down than the two that are playing in the AFC. Yeah, he's, I think he's better than Brock, but yeah. But I would say that it depends on how you want to look at the Brock situation because Brock is still really young. Like, that's where this whole legacy thing sometimes can turn on a dime. Because if Mahomes loses that game last week, and he didn't, and he played great, so maybe you could say, well... If ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a jolly good time. So what's the point in discussing it anyways? But if you were to lose that game last week, the narrative, whether it's fair or unfair, would have been, oh, look at, look at Patrick Mahomes. He can't win when he has to go on the road in the playoffs. Now the narrative is, 
What can he do? He can do it all. And the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle. The question left is, who has the best chance of winning the Super Bowl? And I just don't think the Lions have a puncher's chance. I really don't. It comes down to the simple fact that the Lions defense, defensively are so, are so deficient that I don't think that they can come to expect they're going to have to score 24 points against the Niners to win for sure. And I, I'm just saying at some point, this Niners team is a great roster, a great team. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a, at some point they wake up, if that makes sense. You ever seen teams that are kind of sleepwalking and then they have a close call and then from there they're just world beaters? And the Packers had a chance. The Packers, in my opinion, I could be wrong on this, they played the 49ers at their worst. I don't know if the 49ers could have played a worse game than they did. I don't know if Brock Purdy can play much worse. Now, you could point to the five-interception game against the Ravens. Ravens, But if you go back and watch that game, I'm not calling all five of them bad luck. But there was some bad bad luck interceptions. Thank you. Some bad luck interceptions. Some interceptions you're not getting again. You know, if you think the ball is going to just randomly magically tip off a guy's hand and then ricochet 10 yards to the right and magically go right into the defensive back hands, be my guest. But when San Fran absolutely annihilates the Lions, the one thing I want everyone to know before it happens is that Jared Goff should earn some respect. And by God, if he finds a way to win, I'm putting his ass right at the top. It's when, gonna, it's, when I say that, it goes Mahomes. Everybody else that you would consider to be in that next year, and Jared Goff needs and should be in that group. So you'd put like Jared. So you have Mahomes here, and then when you get to the next group of the the Josh Allen's, yeah, the Lamar Jackson's, correct. The the Joe Burrows. The am I missing any? If we're gonna if we're gonna put Patrick Mahomes on a pedestal in which, if you look at his numbers and you look at what his team's done. And those are the two metrics that we're going to use. And you take out the, I mean, you're, of course, we're going to use the eye test to a certain extent because we're humans. But if that's the metrics we're going to use, you tell me why Jared Goff shouldn't be in that group. I, yeah, I mean, it's, I guess it is, it is based off of what I see him when I watch him play. It's the same reason that I don't like Brock Purdy a whole lot. It's like when I watch him play, there, there's clearly limitations there. When I watch Josh Allen play, when I watch Lamar Jackson play, when I watch a guy even like Matt Stafford or Joe Burrow play, I am in awe at times. Jared Goff and Brock Purdy don't have that wow to me, and very rarely do. Now, now Jared Goff has made some big boy has made some great throws this postseason. I'm still amazed that they decided to drop back on second and nine with the ball and a chance. That, I mean, they could just keep handing the ball off and ice some clock against the Rams. And they said, you know what? We're going to go for the win. We're going to we're going to slit their throat. We're going to throw it. 10 yards downfield with Jared Goff in this Rams defense. And they did that. He threw a beautiful ball to get the first first down. He's made some huge throws. But, yeah, like when I watch Jared Goff, I, I, I agree with everything you're saying that we have slept on him as a quarterback. But still, when I watch him play, he doesn't wow me like the other guys that I just noticed. I think there's a better, I think there's a better legacy that can be cemented over on the other side of the, of the league with Lamar Jackson. So you think if Lamar Jackson were to slay the beast that is Patrick Mahomes and go on to win a Super Bowl, you think that that would elevate 
his status more than it would Jared Goff if he were to win a Super Bowl? If Lamar Jackson wins the Super Bowl, and you guys know my opinions on Patrick Mahomes, that I think he's one of the, I, I already think he's cemented himself as one of the greatest all time. You can call me crazy for that, but I think he certainly has, has gotten in that realm based off what he's done in his first six years. If Lamar Jackson wins the Super Bowl this year, how can we look at him and not say that that is the best quarterback currently playing the sport? Because the, the I haven't seen a quarterback evolve like Lamar Jackson has. Agreed. When he came in, he, he's running all over the field, right? He's taking big hits, and you're like Lamar. And what was the old the, the old joke, the cliche joke that everyone said? Oh, you got a wide receiver playing quarterback. Lamar Jackson can spin it. I Lamar agree. Jackson can make huge throws. That's been the evolution of the Baltimore Ravens. Isn't isn't all this team, this roster keeps getting bigger, the, the better and everything like that. Lamar Jackson keeps making more explosive plays. The evolution of the Baltimore Ravens is what Lamar Jackson's been able to do in the pocket. And if Lamar Jackson beats this Kansas City Chiefs defense, who I think is the second best defense currently, I think, I think the best two teams still around are both in the AFC side. I think that the Chiefs have a better defense than either, either team on the NFC side. If they go in and they beat the Chiefs, and Patrick Mahomes, and they go beat a 49ers team or a very good Lions team, and I think a, a perennial contender in the, in the Detroit Lions, then yeah, I think that you can't look at Lamar Jackson and say that he's not the best quarterback playing at this very moment. Is it crazy to think that, and, and maybe this is all speculative to where it really, it really was maybe played out in the media more than it was in, in real life and what the actual situation was, but is it crazy to think that the Atlanta Falcons – could have had Lamar Jackson. I mean, they just yeah. they they could have just paid for him. Baltimore was basically saying in the middle of the middle of the offseason that, you know what, we're we're just not gonna pay this guy because we don't think he's worth what he's asking for and we're we're ready to move on if we need to. And now all of a sudden, randomly after you pay the guy, you find yourself with maybe the best quarterback in the league completely. And they're not they're not the Super Bowl favorite, but they're damn close. They're the favorite to win the AFC. If he went to the Falcons, this is where circumstance maybe matters more. Is it more circumstance or is it the player? If, if Lamar Jackson were to go to the Falcons, is everybody calling Lamar Jackson a fraud or do you think he digs the Falcons out of a hole? Like, I, I, you know what I'm saying? He, so, I think he's great. I think, I think Lamar actually would make that Falcons team a playoff team, maybe even right where the Lions are right now, facing the 49ers in the championship round. The Falcons are got an underrated defense. They they've got a great defense. If they just stay healthy, they're they're gonna be great. And they've got weapons galore. Uh, they probably wouldn't have a Bijan anymore because they would have had to trade that first round, I believe. Yeah. But they still had Tyler Algier, Cordell Patterson at running backs, and they were they were built for Lamar. That being said, I do think that um, getting back to the initial question, Lamar Jackson's legacy. If he does win, I do think he is the best quarterback playing right now. And it's just not, not even. Right. It's just not even close because he provides a a service to that team that cannot be understated. I mean, anytime he drops back to pass, he's got a potential to run it for a first down every single time. Mm -hmm. He takes away a defender every single time you snap the ball because you have to play a guy at that quarterback spy 
whether that's the linebacker, the defensive end, or defensive tackle. That means there's less pass rushers. That means that there's a guy that might not be committing fully to the run game as well. They might not be stepping up. I mean, they, they, they are so efficient right now. And the fact that Lamar can throw the deep throws now, the reason, like, the Bengals won a couple years ago that 40-something, uh, the 20-game, was because Lamar couldn't throw deep. Hollywood Brown was open a few times in that game and just overshot him. Nowadays, nowadays he's hitting those throws. He, he's making all the throws, and it's just so hard to stop. I haven't so s- hard. Yeah, I like to, to to belabor the point that I've already made to to hit on the point that you made. I, I really haven't seen a quarterback evolve like Lamar Jackson in I my in my young NFL watching days, and that and that, that's what I'm and that's the point that I'm trying to hit here is that he his evolution is why I think that he could like he if he wins he is the best quarterback currently playing. Because he is such a great passer. Oh, yeah. And he's one of the most prolific runners we've ever seen play the quarterback position. He, he's faster. He is faster than most secondaries in the league. There are few people on this planet that are faster than Lamar Jackson. And he's one of the top <laughs> passers in the league. That's a, he really is an unbelievable talent. I think Lamar got a bad rap when he first came out in the first place in regards to his throwing ability. Lamar could always spin the ball. Whether he was accurate enough, that's 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 to be determined. But at the same time, what you what you gain in his scramble ability and his athleticism, it far outweighs the the minuscule ability of what he had when he first came in the league to throw the ball. The only thing I would say about Lamar is Lamar is the shining example of what the Bears hoped they could get or what they had hoped they were going to get out of Justin Fields. Like, as much as I make fun of Justin Fields, as much as I kind of push back on the fact that Justin Fields could be a franchise quarterback, Lamar Jackson does a couple things. Justin Fields has the athleticism to be Lamar Jackson. The difference is is that I think Lamar Jackson in and of himself is a better thrower of the football. And on top of that, I think Lamar doesn't get enough credit for having an idea of what he wants to do, right? Like there is something to be said about knowing an offense and having having the ability to check out of something. And then on top of that, understanding if X happens, I need to do Y. And I think Lamar does that at a pretty damn high level. And you, you have to do that in this league in order to be successful. So I don't know if I'm going to put Lamar as the best quarterback in the league if he wins because – more often than not, I feel like quarterbacks get more credit than they deserve when they win, and they get they don't they get too much blame when they lose. That's probably fair. Um, I think Josh Allen falls into that boat right now. Does anybody look lesser of Josh Allen because he didn't beat the Chiefs the other night? No. Now he made two bad decisions, in my opinion, and they just so happened to come on the final drive. Should he have tried to hit a thirty-five yard? in route over the middle of the field for a touchdown with two minutes left when he has a guy underneath and Diggs. And to be honest with you, if, if Diggs was worth as, worth, worth as much as he thought he was, he would have caught the most unbelievable pass I've ever seen thrown on TV. Josh Allen let go of that football, and it looked like it just left the screen, and it was off the screen for 30 yards. And then it just magically comes down and I don't know if you've seen the clip, but Diggs whiffs, goes right through his arms. Mm-hmm. Tries to catch it with Did you body. see what Diggs did after that? No, I didn't see did it. Did anybody see, see it? Did you see it? I seen it. 
He literally looks back at Josh Allen and he goes like this. Like, like <laughs> we were close, bro. Just a little bit more or something. Like, what? Like, I mean, he's you trying to could have thrown it. a ball better. He's trying to trap it with his body. Just catch it with your hands, man. Catch it with your hands. The, we, we talked about this on Monday, but th- that was what I was fearful of when Josh Allen lost to Patrick Mahomes again. Because already before this year, people were talking about the Bills. Ah, oh, this Bills team, they're so fraudulent, right? They're so This is such a fraudy team, despite the fact that only one team has won more games over the past four years. That's the Kansas City Chiefs. Only, I believe, one team has won more playoff games over the past four years. That's the Kansas City Chiefs. It's not, like the Bills are just in the wrong conference at the wrong time, right? Like it's the it's people get mad when you throw the the Peyton Manning Tom Brady comparison to the Josh Allen Patrick Mahomes thing when the similarities are right in front of you. The the Indianapolis Colts were unstoppable in the regular season at the beginning of that rivalry. They just kept running into the, the New England Patriots and losing. And everyone was like, back then, ah, this, this Colts team can't win in the postseason. They can't get it done. Eventually, Josh Allen will get over that hump. I truly believe that. Like, I, I, I didn't want the, the, the talk after that game Sunday night to be, ah, this, this Bills team can't get it done. I mean, I remember when they were 7-6 and six earlier this year, everyone was going, this team's not going to make the postseason. What they do, they rattled off and played great football for the rest of the year. Won a playoff game at home and, and, and took the Chiefs down to the wire. That's a funny point that you made about Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields, though. Not to completely derail this conversation about legacies and everything like that, but I am in the camp that the, the, Bill, or the, the Bears should absolutely move off of Justin Fields. A lot of Bears fans want to keep Justin Fields. The reason I don't think the Bears should keep Justin Fields in the allegory that is Justin Fields to Lamar Jackson, I haven't seen the improvement from Justin Fields that I saw in Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson was a unanimous MVP his second year. Was already that explosive a player. Justin Fields has been kind of the same player. The flashes of greatness are there. You see the Lamar Jackson in him sometimes. But you don't see it consistent enough. I haven't seen the improvement. I haven't seen the consistency in Justin Fields that I've seen in Lamar Jackson through his first four years. That's why I think they should move off is because I haven't seen him get better. He's, he's improved in completion percentage every year. I, I, by by – well, it's – well, it's. I mean, you can say by how many. It's, he it's went, not he a ton, but he's improving. 60% uh, to 61%, right? And let, and, Correct, but let's still let's, turning the ball over. But let's not pretend he's at you know, and I think this goes back to another one of Trace's points where uh, if Lamar goes to the Falcons, what are the Falcons? The the Bears are one of the most inept organizations in all of sports, and I think that does play a part in it. Uh, I, I don't know how long Eberflus is going to last in Chicago, but I would imagine it's not going to be very long. So you're going to go through a couple head coaches, a, a couple of schemes. I, I wouldn't give up on Justin Fields yet. He, he, he got hurt this year, which sucks. But if he didn't get hurt, I would say he would have had a decent season. Not a great season, not a good season, but a decent season. And, I, and, I, and I'd take that. I'd take a sure thing over, over Caleb Williams. Here's the, here's, here's the thing about the sure thing that is Justin Fields. Is you know how low of a bar Caleb Williams has to clear to be as good as Justin Fields was in his first three years? It's an incredibly low bar. They're two completely different quarterbacks, in I my know. opinion, right? Like yeah. they're, they're, 
I get it's it. It's the age-old debate. This is the be- maybe the best debate there is to have in regards to how it is, what it is that you would like to do when you go about trying to build your franchise. Do you build it within short windows, or do you think that you're going to try to replicate what everyone else in the world seems to try to replicate, which is this dynasty-type franchise? We want to be the Chiefs. We want to be the Patriots. We want to have a franchise quarterback, and we want to be have sustained success over a 10-year stretch. Or do you want to try to be the Rams? Do you want to try to be the Panthers a few years ago with Cam Newton? Now I get it. They didn't win the Super Bowl. But my point is, is that you could build, in my opinion, it sounds crazy to say, but I think Justin Fields for one year has it in him with the right guys around him. You could convince me they could win a Super Bowl. But the problem is, is that he's going to require, in my opinion, a significant amount of help. And it's going to have to be a scheme that molds to what he's good at. You can't just put Fields into a system like Joe Burrow's in and think he's going to be worth anything. Because he's not. He needs to be put in a system to where he legitimately, and I know people are going to make fun of what I'm going to say. Oh, Trace is a hater. He needs to be put in a system that is more geared towards running the football than it is throwing the football because he's much closer to being a running back than he is of being a quarterback. Yeah. That's what Justin Fields genuinely is. Unbelievable athlete. Now, how we got to Justin Fields, I don't know, but you, you, that's you where we're at. Him, so Go ahead, Casey. The, the thing I would say, too, is like Lamar Jackson, we talked about his progression. It didn't start until Greg Roman got in the building and became the offensive coordinator, revamped that offense, and it became more run-oriented. And that sort of unlocked Lamar Jackson's MVP season. I'm looking at it right here. That's that's when he started being the offensive coordinator was the year that Lamar was MVP. So the fact that the Bears went out and got this guy, I think was a very smart move on the Bears' part. I think if there was a chance that the development for Justin Fields was because of coaching, we'll know that answer this upcoming season because Greg Roman will put in a, an offense that – benefits Justin Fields' strengths that will help out this offense be more efficient, not being able to put the ball in harm's way. We'll see what happens to the receivers, like DJ Moore. He might disappear a little bit because that's kind of what happened with the Ravens receivers. But, hey, uh, the way that their defense was playing at the back half of their season and the way that the the Ravens played on offense those years, it's going to be a really good combination. Watch out for the Bears next year. Everyone keeps saying in the chat, and I mean, I hear this every time Justin Fields gets brought up, is that he doesn't have an offensive line. He doesn't have an offensive line. I don't – I mean, I guess if you – I've watched the Bears play. I'd argue that his offensive line is not horrible. It's not that bad. Now, again, maybe this is because Joe Burrow Superman – but how in one hand could you tell me the guy that completes 60% completion rating has done nothing in his career so far that shows you uh, any relatively any hope to being a franchise quarterback or a quarterback that can take you and win you a Super Bowl because of him. But on the same hand, brag about how your guy can go to the Super Bowl and damn near win the Super Bowl, one play away from winning the Super Bowl with the world's worst offensive line. You can't have it both ways. You can't tell me that the reason that Joe Burrow is elite 
and unbelievable isn't because of the wide receivers and all the talent he has around him. It's because of what he's been able to do because the offensive line's so bad. But then on the other hand, tell me that the reason that Justin Fields is not even average, below average, world's, not world's worst, but league's worst completion percentage, and then turn around and tell me it's all because their offensive line. The Bears have a decision to make. I don't know what decision they're going to make, but I think I the think Bears are closer. The Bears are closer than everyone wants to say. I'll tell you that. Like, they are not a terrible football team. And it's not only because they're not terrible because their quarterback is great. I'll tell you that. So, the other thing to say, the last thing I'll say about this, is I, I don't know what to do for the Bears. I don't think it's a slam dunk either way. I don't know if Caleb Williams is the guy. I, I, maybe I'm crazy for saying that. But this guy, every time he played decent competition in college, he didn't play well. He didn't play well. Well, that's that's the point that I that I want to make is like I'm not saying that Caleb Williams is going to be the next great NFL quarterback, but the bar that Justin Fields has set is so incredibly low to clear for Caleb Williams. That there's, there, there isn't a decision that they need to make. It's a slant. Like, we're talking about a guy that has thrown for 6,000 yards and rushed for 2,000. He's thrown 40 touchdowns and have scored 14 on the ground in Justin Fields. He's, he's thrown 20 inter 30 interceptions. He's fumbled the ball 36 times. He's won 10 games in three years. Oh, and after this year, you got to pay him probably like $40 million a year? over the guy and you can just reset the clock on a, on a, on a young quarterback. Like, I don't, it, it's not that I don't think that Justin Fields can succeed in this league. I think he could go to the Falcons. I think he can go somewhere and be a playoff quarterback. I, I truly believe that. But when you're not seeing constant improvement from Justin Fields, just slight improvement, right? The numbers are getting just barely better. Not this explosive of improvement that we typically see in very good quarterbacks in their second and third year. It's been more of the same every single year. Now you're going to have to pay him $40 million over just going and draft the best prospect that – one of the best prospects that the league has seen in, in 10 years. He might be a bust. Don't get me wrong. But the bar is so incredibly low for, for Caleb Williams in Chicago that the worst – honestly, the worst-case scenario is that you get Justin Fields. I don't think that's the worst-case scenario. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I, He's won 10 games and 40 starts. I would say a lot of that's not his fault, and that's where and that's where we'll never agree on this topic. It's just I, I think that eventually organizational malpractice comes in, in, into into the equation, and that's what the Bears have been over the past several years. It's been a disaster. It's been a dumpster fire, and I don't think a quarterback can. It depends on the quarterback, obviously, but I don't think a quarterback like Justin Fields is going to be able to succeed there. Now, I don't. That also means I don't think a quarterback like Caleb Williams will ever be able to succeed there either. I think just it's, it's a never-ending circle uh, of failure because of the Bears, not because of these quarterbacks. Yeah, but that's that, that's the same thing that was said about the Lions for how long? In fact, right. it was this year, halfway through the year, everybody just kept saying, well, in, in case he would be the one that was always getting made fun of because he say something positive about the Lions and everyone just say, well, that's the Lions. The Browns, pretty much the same boat. At some point, if you have a decent quarterback – decent quarterback these franchises that are supposedly losers can become winners pretty clearly if you have a decent roster around you 
I don't think that the reason that the Bears are losing is because their, their roster is terrible. I really don't. I don't think it's like the Browns. The Browns, you can convince me. And in fact, it was proven. They took a, they took a, a dad that was making cupcakes with his kids weeks and then two weeks later, the Browns were winning football games left and right, and they went to the playoffs. Yeah, they got smashed in the postseason. But you can't convince me that, that that's what the Bears are. Who cares about the damn Bears at the end of the day yep. anyways? Um, the, last, the last thing I have about championship weekend here is that if somehow, some way, the Lions were to win, does it does it? and this is a dumb question, maybe, but I genuinely think it will happen. Does it tarnish whoever wins the AFC and saying that they got, they got fortunate to where they played the Lions of the Super Bowl? I actually think that will become a thing if it happens. Should it be? I think it will. So, so let me, let me I, I need you to map out this take. You think that if the Lions win the NFC... I don't think it should happen. It's going it will, to be said, though. It will tarnish... Whoever wins the AFC because they in, in turn will will have an easier Super Bowl. No, it not. will it will ruin their Super Bowl. Run. I'm saying it will discredit one of the quarterbacks in saying that though they they won a Super Bowl against the Lions. Two in, things in, about in that. Jared, Jared Goff. I, I, I it's not me saying that. I'm asking the question. What is you saying it a little bit? No, I'm not. Genuinely, I'm not. Okay. All right. Two things about this. I'll tell you why I'm this not. Is a, this because is a crazy take. Can I, say, can I say this? No matter what happens, if Patrick Mahomes beats the, the, the Ravens on the road just after he beat the Bills on the road, even if they lose the Super Bowl, I have respect for the Chiefs for the first time in a long time. I, I think, really do. I think this is, this is me maybe getting a little head, uh, head of my skis here. I think whoever wins the AFC is going to win the Super Bowl, regardless of who they play. Nah, that's a crazy take. Because I think the AFC has shown – without a doubt, how much better it is than the NFC this year. Despite losing all the quarterbacks that the AFC had this year, they still dominated the NFC in interconference play. And I think that, in all honesty, if, I, if I'm a, an odds maker, which I'm not, the Ravens are going to be favored over the 49ers if, they, if those two teams win. I don't think so. I think the 49ers are going to be favored the rest of the way. I think that the Chiefs... You are such a Chiefs freaking slap. I'm an AFC fan. This dude's the AFC biggest fan. Chiefs slappy outside of Kansas City. I, I said earlier. You, if, you, if, you, if you take one step, and I mean one step, out of the proper Kansas City city, you will not find a bigger fan of the Kansas City Chiefs than Reed Mouse. Two things. One, earlier on this show, everyone calls me the Kansas City Chiefs. And the, the Patrick Mahomes slappy. I'm sorry that I'm the only one that wants to give proper credit to a dynasty right before our eyes. Secondly, I said earlier on this show that if Lamar Jackson wins the Super Bowl, he's the best quarterback in the league, despite me also saying that I think Patrick Mahomes is one of the all-time greats already. So I don't know how you can say that I'm a Kansas City Chiefs slappy. Third question that I have for you guys is why, doesn't, why don't the Kansas City Chiefs 
with a top three defense in the league, get enough credit for their defense? Because they have Patrick Mahomes. He gets all the damn credit. He gets all the credit. It doesn't matter what happens. Referees throw flags here, flags there. You know what? It was, it was, it was pass interference. But it does seem kind of it does seem kind of weird, doesn't it? That there was no flags thrown, and then five seconds after the play, randomly, there's a flag thrown. Doesn't that seem a little bit weird? I'm not suggesting I'm a conspiracy theorist because I'm the farthest one from it. I'm not suggesting the games are rigged. Sounds like you are. But it does seem odd that he gets a fifth down against the Bengals. He he gets a personal foul called when he flops out of the back of the, the, the right. damn thing to get a field goal. He does get every flag known to mankind. I, it does seem a little odd. Yeah. Yeah, as we all know that if the NFL really wants to make some real money, right. they'll make the dynasty in Kansas City, Missouri, not not New York, Dallas, LA. No, they picked their if, guy in Patrick what, what Mahomes. If, not, the, not the Chicago Bears. They'll they'll make their dynasty. They'll rig it so that little old Kansas City, Missouri wins time after time. What a ridiculous Seems to be working. What a ridiculous conspiracy this is. No, but the the reason I say that is when the Philadelphia Eagles were dominating last year, all we talked about was how great this defense is. When the Cleveland Browns were going 11-5, and five, having their best team in, a, in, in our lifetime, we talked about how great this defense is. When the, the Dallas Cowboys, look how good this defense is. But when we talk about the Kansas City Chiefs, all we talk about is, man, their offense can't score a whole lot in the red zone. Man, this offense, it looks limited. Nobody talks about how the Kansas City Chiefs have the second-best defense in the playoffs right now behind the Baltimore Ravens. That's not opinion. That is statistical fact. I think it is being talked about, but Trace is right. They have Patrick Mahomes. This is, I mean, let's not— but All we do, we, we don't talk about how great Patrick Mahomes is. We talk about how bad Patrick Mahomes and the offense has looked. We're not— Correct, we're, because we're not Patrick Mahomes is the story. It's, it's a quarterback-driven league. Everybody knows this. Uh, the defense has been a story. It's just being overshadowed by the greatest player that's ever been, was, or is in Patrick Mahomes. I think that's that's that, that's not an opinion. That's what happens, right? And again, this is no knock on the Chiefs' defense. They've been great all year. But when you think of the Kansas City Chiefs, you're not going to think of Chris Jones in the defense. That's not who you think of. Mm-hmm. When, you, when you buy jerseys for the Kansas City Chiefs, the number one jersey on the team is not on the defense. The number two jersey on the team is not on the defense. The number three jersey on the team is not on the defense. It's an offense-driven league. When you play Madden at home, you're playing offense, and you're skipping the defense, and you're just getting back on offense. That's the way football is. It's the way it works. We all love defense. We all love good defense. We respect it. But at the end of the day, you're trying to market a product, and nobody's better than that than the, than the NFL, maybe the NBA. You can make an argument. But at the end of the day, you are marketing a quarterback, and that's why he does get calls. He, Patrick Mahomes absolutely gets calls. Burrow does not get any calls, I would say. That's fair. Uh, when it comes to – I think there's a stat on it, right, when it, when it comes to asking for a late hit on something like that, like when you're, when you're going out for a slide uh, and they hit you late. I think Allen and Mahomes get a ton of those calls. Burrow doesn't get a, a lot of them. They're trying to market stars, and that's what the NFL is. Despite It's a great sports league. But there's a reason that it is listed as an entertainment business, not a sports business. If they wanted to rig it, they could rig it because it's an entertainment business. Now, they would never do that because nobody would ever watch it again. But that's the point. So why, why don't we talk about the Chiefs defense? It's because the story of all these NFL teams is the offense always, and it always will be. It's definitely not rigged. The thing that happens, though, is that there are humans involved in this, and they are biased subliminally, 100%. And you can say whatever you want about Patrick Mahomes or, or Jared Goff, but if those two guys are playing in the Super Bowl, 
the NFL referee, whether you want him to be or not, he is going to be more protective over Patrick Mahomes. He just is. And I'm not saying that that's the difference whether you win or you lose more times than not. But let's face it. If Justin Fields, who we've talked about, you want me to say something nice about him? The guy doesn't get that many calls. Why? Because he's uber athletic and he's able to take the hit. If, if, if Justin Fields is playing in the AFC Championship game and he takes off like, like Mahomes did on a broken leg, which I got to give Mahomes some credit here. Mahomes was unbelievably hurt to the point where he couldn't even walk off the field. Yet two weeks later, he was sprinting about as fast as I've ever seen him sprint to get a first down in the AFC Championship game. And he flopped, rightfully so. Don't blame him a bit. He's there to try to get calls. Justin Fields is not getting that late hit call. Patrick Mahomes is. That's the difference. And I'm not saying it's rigged, but that's the truth. And whether or not you want to agree with that or disagree with it, that's fine. That can be your opinion. But Patrick Mahomes is always going to get the benefit of the doubt more times than not. Because the other thing that he does do well, he does the same way that Coach K or the same way that maybe Bobby Knight or the same way that any other great college basketball coach has done. They work the referees. Patrick Mahomes complains a lot. He complains a lot. Now, you might want to say that that's whining, and I, it certainly gets on my nerves from time to time. I get tired of seeing him complain. But it works because ultimately those referees are human. And if they hear someone complain long enough, they're going to be more aware of it. And if there's a close play again, and you've already complained about it enough during the game, you're going to get the call. Just one time I'd like to see Patrick Mahomes not get the call and see what happens. But we have seen that happen already this year, and we see what happened. He was in the press conference complaining about it. Um, I think that I was going to say, I just wanted to add on to it. And again, this is... We were talking about the, the NFL being rigged or what have you. It's not rigged, but I do think if there was ever silly to think it is, it, it is silly to think it is. If there was ever a time to look at officiating, it would be this off season, because I do think there is a serious problem. I think NFL refs regards? have been worse than they've ever been. This in what season. regards? In, in regards to being inconsistent with with, with calling penalties. Which penalties? Uh, it would be specifically pass interference. It would be specifically uh, the 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 lining up offside stuff. That is that they've 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 made it clear that it's just it's not great. Yeah, there's not a there's not a better organization in professional sports than the NFL at at frequently I implementing change. This. I do agree with that. Like so, like if there's any league that will go out like we saying the the, the NFL needs to look at their officiating right. Is about as uh, as big of a blanket statement as as saying your team needs to have better play calling, right? Like it, it, in some aspects, it's true, but like, what does that mean? What, what do you mean they need to look at it? Because there's no league that does it better than the NFL at constantly changing rules, at constantly implementing things to make the sport better. Sometimes they they do it wrong, right? Like the year that they had the the um, PI could be reviewed. They were they were that got wrong, sabotaged. That got sabotaged. In my opinion. I think very early on, they, they realized, ah, this might have been the bad call, so let's, let's, let's abort. And they did. 
right? That, that, that's what the NFL is better than any professional sport at, and that is constant change. It seemed like they hid behind like they usually will do. If the referees or the union that is what seems to be the referees don't like something, then they'll just sabotage it. The, 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 the PI thing was perfectly fine. If it's close, sure, let's let it stand. But if it's egregious, and if you ask 100 people or you poll 100 people whether something's pass interference or not, and 90, 90 out of 100 of them are saying it's pass interference, overturn the call. But they didn't do that, did they? They just kept the status quo all year long, let it, and they never overturned anything. So they were like, well, this didn't work. It didn't work because you never gave it a chance to work. But the one thing they need to do, if anything, they do change a lot, Reed. you got to give the NFL credit for that. And right. the, expedited, the expedited replay is one of the best things that's, that, that, that a league has done in a long time. You don't need to go underneath the, the little the tablet, right. the hood, and look at every single play. You don't need to do that. When you have guys in the sky that can see it, you know, phone down or, or, or page down, whatever term you want to use, you get the call right in five seconds, and they do that a lot. They do that on spots sometimes, but they got to figure out the spots. I don't know what needs to be done specifically, but we are in a day and age where you can't convince me that the best way to figure out a spot is, and I'm not trying to be mean, but old men with striped pants on right. down the line, running straight down the field using their eyes. And I'm going to give these guys credit. They get the spot right more times than not. They do a remarkably good job at getting the spot right. But when it means the game is on the line and you're trying to get a spot right, we have to have some technology that's better than what we have now. And definitely the chain system has to be better. How in the world are we still using chains? And that's where the NFL loses me from time to time because it's like, what? No, you just, that's where you lose me. That, that is where you quote. lose me. That's your quote. Uh, that's where you lose me. Because this is a billion dollar industry. And it seems like sometimes they hold on to things because they know they can. They just rub it in the faces of everyone else. Oh, we all agree. Yeah, it's pretty dumb. Hell, the, 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 game, the game got delayed a few weeks ago because the chains broke. They were trying to put the chain back together. And it's like, how is this a thing? We got laser levels around our world that allow us to build skyscrapers. And we're using chains in a billion-dollar industry. Is that ever going to change? I don't know if they'll ever replace or if they'll ever change the chains, but it is absolutely funny that they had to fix the chains that they didn't just have a spare spare on the sideline. Hey, just grab, <laughs> grab the other set real quick. One. What? Right, let's let's stop the game. Let's fix this. Like, I mean, come on, man. Like, how do we not have a spare? It, you you want to talk about spots? In in in. I mean, how bad was that spot in the Packers game? Yeah, the, man, it was a big call. That was huge. And they were wrong. They were just dead wrong. But that happens sometimes. That happens sometimes. Um, Trace, let's do this. Let's go to an ad break here at the, the 11. The 11 Love ad. that. We need to get our ads in as well. Let's get we our pay our bills around here. Let's do our sponsors. And when we come back, we'll keep the conference championship talk because um, we have a buy or sell segment that we can get into. And then in the second half of the, the second hour, we can maybe talk about baseball or whatever, Xavier, whatever we else we have. But we'll, Do you think Joe Maurer is a Hall of Famer? Are you asking me? Yeah. I think he's a Hall of Famer. Is he a first ballot Hall of Famer? Well, I don't know. <laughs> well, the answer is yes. Well, the answer is yeah. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Well, he is, yes. Yeah. Uh, I guess. Is he in my mind? I don't know. 
But I, as I said at the top of the show, I genuinely, this is where maybe I, I shouldn't do a sports talk show. I just don't care. I just don't care. And you know what? I think that should be refreshing for people to see. You know what? I don't have to come in here and put on some fake shtick about whether I care about Joe Maurer being a first ballot Hall of Famer, whether he's in the Hall of Fame or not. But as I said before, if you got a system that, as I've said before, doesn't have the best baseball player of all time in it, then what are we doing? I would scream right now to go to a segment break like, like maybe Tom would do, but I can't scream at all. So instead, I'm going to softly say, Casey, will you do us a favor and help us pay the bills around here and run some ads? Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> Uh, the Bengals report, Bearcat report, is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing modules to improve efficiency and pro 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 productivity. That? Guys, it's productivity. That's what we say at the end. Of I thought it was like that David Bowie song that was in Shrek. Ch -ch changes. I'm talking about trying to change. Is that David Bowie? It was the original version, not in the movie. Uh, yeah, productivity though. Path to innovation begins here. Visit Encore.Tech. Uh, Water. This lovely bottle of water right here. Made right here in Hamilton, Ohio, uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water, and some say the best tasting water in the world. Visit Encore.tech. Path Innovation begins here. Visit Pawnee Water at P-A-H-H-N-I-Water.com. See where you can buy this great tasting water and drink lots of coffee from UDF. That's good. And also, and also, 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 if you like the stream, please don't forget to leave a like. Also, a subscribe. Up. Give us a thumbs up. Subscribe if you want to keep seeing more of our content. And if you want to become a member, we have a link down below for you to become a member. And we have uh, exclusive streams for our members: box lunch, uh, the gaming streams we do with you guys, uh, other content in the future coming up. And uh, also be on the lookout for Chatterbox Bets. We do uh, a betting little segment thing on uh, what used to be not too picky. It is now converted into Chatterbox Bets. We're currently 5-1, and one, so we're, we're, we're doing good. Who was the, the idiot who days. lost? I don't know. He's 1-1. One one. Mr. 1-1. One one. Mr. 1-1. One one. I'm <laughs> – hey, who cares? It's Wednesday. It is Wednesday. Uh – Oh, did you say Wednesday? Is it Wednesday? Are you saying, is this a gambling thing? Like it's Wednesday? No, like it's Wednesday. Today is the day, the third day of the work week, Wednesday. Wednesday. Okay. I thought you were saying it was, I thought you were doing a gambling thing where it was Wednesday. Mm. Well, it that's is what Wednesday. We can do. That's what we can do for the Chatterbox Bets. I'm going to say it's Wednesday. Nice. Nice. Clever. Very yeah. clever. Nobody's ever thought of that before. Mm. I promise you. Mm. Mm. All right, Trace. By the way, real quick. Uh, shout out to the one person who voted for Brandon Phillips. I think that's, that's awesome. I think that's a really good high IQ vote, and I'm glad they used it. <laughs> it I'm glad they used it. He deserves to be in the hall. That dude, BP, he's one of the greatest second basemen of all time. Unfortunately, he will be removed from the ballot because he only got that one vote. But whoever that one person is, I want their name, and I want that person in the Hall of Fame because they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. That's a person who definitely used all 10 of their votes 
or twelve of the votes, whatever it is. He, ten. You, he used all ten of the, all ten of his votes, and he's like, he was down to his last one. He's like, sure, let's vote for the most obscure. And he put Brandon Phillips' name it in. Was I love it. It was probably a Reds writer, in all seriousness. I don't know if all the Reds um, writers that are on the ballot. It's just um, who? C. Trent? C. Trent and who else there's gets a, it? I mean, there's 420-something <laughs> writers, so I don't know how many are from Cincinnati. You know. But it, I, I'm going to be honest. Everyone gets mad when, when people like Brandon Phillips get, gets votes. I think it's kind of fun. Like, uh, like, clearly he's not a Hall of Famer. But if I had nine votes and I didn't actually think that a tenth person, I would just be like, Sure, I'll honor. I'll honor you. You're you're a hometown like uh, Jock Jones. Remember Jock Jones? Yeah. He got two votes a couple of years ago, in the Hall of Fame voting, which was fun. <laughs> Hall of Fame voting is something that I I deeply love. And and what's funny is yesterday everyone's talking about the Joe Maurer debate that I had with Tom. Um, I got home yesterday, and I had a moment of reflection, thinking about my favorite sports topic is the Hall of Fame, uh, baseball Hall of Fame. And I got to sit down and argue with Marty Brenneman and Tom Brenneman yeah. about my favorite catcher, his Hall of Fame worthiness. That was that was a pretty, and you were right. That was a pretty cool moment. I mean, I don't know. I, it, you were right. It doesn't make his opinions wrong. I was right the fact that he got in, but I don't know. Like, it doesn't change his opinion that he didn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Yachty's going to be first ballot too now. See, that's what's crazy, and, and we didn't get into this, is he said, who would take – Joe Maurer over Yachty. I think if you're a smart GM whatsoever, you would absolutely take Joe Maurer over Yachty or Molina. I think Joe Maurer certainly had a better career, but I think Yachty, I respect Yachty to a point with one longevity. I think that does play a factor here. Uh, and one being one of the greatest, if not the greatest, defensive catchers of all time. So I, I yeah. think Yachty, with, if Maurer is going in first ballot, I'm saying. I have no doubt in my mind that Yadier Molina is a Hall I've, of Famer. I've flip-flopped on, on Yadier. Like, people, like, people like, uh, old, that are older, like, like Tom and Marty, like, look at Yadi and they say, this is absolutely a Hall of Famer. I used to think that that was absolutely silly. I have started to come around because it just depends on what you think the Hall of Fame is. And when you think of the catching position, you do think of guys like Yadier Molina. And that means something, right? And in yeah. a shrine that goes to the, the greatest baseball players of all time, and you think of a certain position, you think of a guy like Yadier Molina. Is he the player that, that Joe Maurer was? Certainly not. Certainly See, not. that's where, uh, I mean, not that we wanted to spend a whole lot of time talking about this today in regards to, to people they want to talk about baseball or not, I don't know. But that's where, you know, you can get yourself knee-deep into statistics and in trying to figure out whether or not you think somebody's worth something significantly more than the other thing. And there's all there's there's intangibles that go along with baseball that certainly can't be figured out. I don't know if Joe Maurer had the same intangibles as Yadier Molina, but I do know this. Yadier Molina played for a significantly long time for an organization from a foundational standpoint that he was a rock bed. He was the foundation yeah. of a franchise that was elite for a long time. He won multiple World Series. He was the reason that they weren't going anywhere for a very long time. Yes, there was other guys involved, but I'm going to tell you something. You give any franchise, Yadier Molina, and you say, hey, you got a catcher for 20 years that is going to be at least league average, if not better than league average, and elite for five, six, seven years, I guarantee you they're able to build a roster that's pretty damn competitive. And I'm not right. saying or suggesting or downplaying what Joe Maurer was or is. But you can't say that about his teams. Uh, yeah, I mean, you look at – I made this illusion uh, that are the Minnesota Twins pretty similar to the San Diego and Los Angeles Chargers? 
and that they constantly, consistently have a really good team. They just, <laughs> for some reason, one one way or another, just don't compete in the postseason very well. Um, but that's like Tom was talking about yesterday. If you ask any GM in the league if they'd rather have Dave Parker or Joe Maurer, everyone will take Dave Parker. And I think that was dead wrong because the biggest luxury a team can have is an elite catcher. Yep. Is an elite catcher. Like, every good team in the league, you look at, well, how's their catching position? Is it good or is it bad? And almost unanimously, they've got a good catcher. If you got a mediocre catcher, you are you are limiting your ceiling as a as a team. So yeah, Yadier Molina was a rock bed of, of a very good team, which is why like I, I I then agree that I used to not believe it because I mean you look at his stats and he, he's a pretty below average hitter. He wasn't that far off. I think his career OPS was like ninety uh not OPS right, plus like in, was like ninety six. In, in his in his prime he was a really good hitter. Like from age like twenty eight to thirty two, he was was a really good hitter. The rest of his career was a bad hitter, right? So you're nitpicking there. But you're right. Like when you think of good teams and you think of the catching position, you think Yadier Molina, which is why I used to think that he wasn't a Hall of Famer. Now I, I, I side with that he is. Um, but the, the whole Joe Maurer thing, like he's clearly, like he was clearly a Hall of Famer just because he was such an elite hitter at such a, and a pretty good fielder too in his prime at such a valued position that is the catcher. That's fair. Do you think do you think that C Trent was extending an olive branch out to, to uh, Brandon Phillips there with that vote? Do we think that's what it was? <laughs> I don't know. I don't I think Because when he mentioned that Brandon Phillips got one vote and in, uh, in, in Ellie it goes uh, maybe it was C Trent, I thought to myself, well, I uh, seems like there's a history there that I wouldn't suggest or think to myself, oh, C Trent, he's I definitely C- the guy that gave him a vote. Was that was that just like a, maybe a Maybe there was a little note written. I think so. Behind I think, the scenes, I think they and, were coming together there. Yeah. I think yeah. that was a yeah. Are they going to lady and tramp some some kind of? Um, they might. Yeah. They might. They might. Nick Kirby, I would bet my life. C Trent did not give him that vote. Who's the old writer that uh, the Dayton Dayton Daily News writer? Um, um, I do believe he might have passed away. Is that right? Okay, so yeah, he did. Al McCoy. He, yeah, that's right. He did pass away, so it could have been him. But yeah, I, I just had a feeling that that's it was a good someone, take, Reed. Well, I just. I was just thinking of guys, I mean, if we're speculating. Here. No, I just like that you had to add in, well, it couldn't have been him. Well, yeah, I guess not. How many voters are there? 400. 424. Yeah, so, yeah, you, you have to be a, a writer, a beat writer of a team for some odd year. Could have also been a beat writer in Atlanta because he's from Atlanta. I mean, who knows who it was? Right. Do you think um, – yeah, good, good for Brandon Phillips. I mean, does anyone really know nor care? Probably not. So, so why we're um, talking – so Go ahead. Let, let me nerd out here for a second. Let me nerd out here about these these, these three Hall of Fame selections here. Um, you know, we, we were talking about Adrian Beltre, and I think his career is so unique that as, like, at this moment, we remember Adrian Beltre as one of the greatest third basemen ever, right? Near 100 war, 3,000 hits, 400 and something home runs. But before he turned, like, 30, 32, no one thought, like, if you would have gone back to the year 2010 and asked Tom, asked Marty, hey, you think Adrian Beltre is going to be a Hall of Famer? They would unanimously say, hell no. Adrian Beltre didn't make an all-star game till he was 32. He was actually, in his first, like, 12 years, if you look at OPS+, Plus, he was a below 100 hitter. Like, he was a below average hitter. You know what they say the about time? guys that get a lot better towards the end of their careers. But, like, right. 
from ages like 32 to 36, he was one of the best players in the league, and he continued to do that till he was 40, on top of being an elite defender. Adrian Beltre, like I, I said this to Elliot before we started the show, the first 10 years of his career are similar to like a Todd Frazier. Like he was essentially Todd Frazier until he was like 32, 33. And then he got better and, and continued to do it Home to where Derby he had 3,000 hits. So that's why it's interesting. And the other thing I got to say about uh, the Todd Helton is go look at the 2000 uh, MVP voting. Todd Helton led the league in like batting average, slugging percentage, on-base percentage, home runs, RBIs, runs scored, hits, and didn't win the MVP, which is just absolutely preposterous. Well, that often comes down to one thing and one thing only, right? Is when, when did you uh, play? He actually finished. Phil Mickelson's a pretty good example of that as well. I mean, Phil Mickelson's a guy that probably without Tiger Woods would have would have been one of the most decorated. He already is a decorated, but he would have been one of the most decorated golfers of all time. He would have been right up there with a Jack. Um, would have been right up there with Tiger if he played in a different era. Now I think, honestly, Phil kind of gets lost in the shuffle because Phil played with Tiger. And those types of things happen, yes. But the main point I was going to make was Oftentimes with the first ballot, it just comes down to who else is on the ballot with you, too. I mean, that's part of the equation. And using the first ballot Hall of Famer as this huge moniker of whether or not you are significantly better than somebody else, I don't really buy into. Um, you had mentioned, obviously, we're going to talk about a little bit more about the AFC Championship weekend. That's great. Good, good, How good and all that. The one thing I was going to say, though, Todd Helton, to finish out the baseball talk, uh, Todd Helton does seem to open the door a little bit more for Joey Votto. Joey Votto Joey, now it feels like Joey Votto's chance to get in the Hall of Fame has skyrocketed. Yeah, Joey Votto's going to get in the Hall of Fame. He's, he's 100% going to get in But the Hall there's a lot of people that would argue, similar to Yadier Molina, that it's the Hall of Very Good. It's not the Hall of Fame. Now, whether or not you believe that, I don't know. But again, this is where one thing, whether you like Jim Harbaugh or not, I could care less. There's one thing that Jim Harbaugh said that I liked. Somebody asked him to compare a couple of great players that he coached, and he said he doesn't compare great players because ultimately what ends up happening is you end up trying to tear one down to try to promote the other. And ultimately that's what the Hall of Fame and debating whether or not this guy should get in or that guy should get in does. You're tearing down great players when you really don't need to. It's all an opinion-based thing anyways. Nobody really knows whether or not somebody's spe specifically way better than another person depending on errors. I mean... I genuinely have the take, and I know that people are laughing. I think Babe Ruth, you stick the same Babe Ruth. Now, I get it. You can't do this. You stick the same Babe Ruth. You drop him at the University of Southern California right now. Maybe he gets run. I don't know. But I don't even think the guy plays above double A. Here's the thing, though. You're, you're, you're probably right. But, like, context matters. Like, Babe Ruth. Of course it matters. Right. Like, Babe Ruth grew up with the same, the same um, opportunities and, and chance to improve as everyone in his era. And no one dominated an era like Babe Ruth did. Even, even Barry Bonds, to his success, didn't dominate like Babe Ruth did. Like, like, like Babe Ruth. I, I, I completely so context agree. matters. And, and you are right. Like, it's the same reason that. If you look at guys that played like a like a Pistol Pete Maravich or you know, like a Big O, Oscar Robinson, would Oscar Robinson play in today's NBA? Probably not. And if you go back to even like the 70s, like would those guys play in today's NBA? Probably not. Like is a, is a guy like Joe Montana going to gonna, gonna be in the NFL like the, 
is he going to tear it up like he did back in the 80s? Probably not because people get better. Things evolve. So, and that's context matters is what I'm saying. Also, will you give me a, an apology? Because Hal McCoy Uh-oh. is still alive. Say that again? Hal McCoy is still alive. Damn. 83 years old. Well, you that's still, completely on sorry? me then. Yeah, guys, I'm sorry. I think you guys you. were thinking of John Fay. John Fay. John Fay passed. No, I, I, I actually wasn't. That's on me. And here, and if you guys think that me and Tom got fired up about Joe Maurer, what? If if I ever get an opportunity to say that Alex Rodriguez is the greatest infielder of all time, I think that'll I think that'll spark some 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 things because that's my other hot take, and I absolutely believe that Alex Rodriguez is the greatest infielder of all time. Do you think that the NFL? Uh, will ever become one 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 reason why baseball and golf and and a couple of other sports, even basketball, is getting to this point now, is becoming so incredibly difficult to be a professional athlete in, is because it becomes a global game, and you have a world aspiring to try to become the best specific player they can be, whether it's golfer, basketball player, fo- um, I guess obviously football. And by football, I mean soccer. The the one thing I was gonna say is, do you think American football ever gets to that point, and will we be alive to see it? American football ever like starts world game. Oh, world, world game, world game. Poll question of the day: Will I'm going to put a death sentence on me right now in front of everybody? Fifty years, which is a long time. Well, in regular... fifty years, will I be alive? We'll just say fifty years. You don't have to say if Trace will be alive. In fifty years, will American football be a global game? To where there will be more than one quarterback. No, you don't have to put all this. Just put it, will it be a global game, yes or no. But the way I'm going to say it's a global game is if there is a league that's the exact same rules in another country, not Canada. And on top of that, there are two quarterbacks in the league that are not from the United States. Do you think that we'll get to that in 50 years? No. Yeah, I think I think the NFL is certainly trying to grow its popularity overseas. So yeah, I mean like like the NBA before Michael Jordan wasn't a global game, and because of Michael Jordan, now the best players in the league are from other countries because of a guy like Michael Jordan. So yeah, I think in 50 years, with the world becoming more um, less isolated, I guess less isolated, not more less isolated. The internet's definitely made a big impact Correct. on all this. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I think it's certainly going to be a global game. A, a better question is, do you think that uh, do you think it's more likely that the NFL will be a global game, like the top global game, or do you think it's more likely that it is not even the top sport in America in 50 years? No chance. It'll always be the wow. They probably always. said this about baseball. They probably said this about baseball 50 years ago too. That there's no way that anything will overtake baseball. So I'm, I guess I'm going to make a fool of myself in saying I cannot imagine. I just can't imagine it. That football, American football, would not be the top sport in this country unless one thing happens. And the only thing I can think of, and I hope this doesn't happen, is that you have you have a couple fatalities within the same year. Strictly, specifically, clearly on the football field. Now, they've gotten better at adjusting the rules and be- equipment becoming better to where you would like to think that wouldn't happen. But the only way that I could see American football becoming, now not extinct, but not the most popular game is because it's become so dangerous that one, people don't want to play it, and two, the American public becomes dic- disgusted by it. But the reason that it will never happen, in my opinion, is because 
we are human beings. And for some dumb reason, we gravitate towards violence. The reason that the NFL is as popular as it, as it is, in my opinion, is because of the violence nature that it exists. The reason that boxing 50 years ago was as popular as it was, was because of violence. It got replaced by UFC because UFC has a better structure, a better, whether you want to argue whether it's a better sport or not, I could care less. But boxing has become political. Boxing has become the best don't fight the best. Boxing has become extinct in the United States to a small extent because heavyweights don't exist in the United States like they did in the past. And UFC finds a window of opportunity. And UFC, like it or not, has a much better way of crowning champions than boxing has done in the past 20 years. But the only way that American football doesn't become the most popular thing in this country is how. And if you want to convince me that people aren't going to play because it's too dangerous, I got news for you. As long as you're paying people millions of dollars to play it, people are going to play the sport. That's the, maybe the most overblown thing that there is in this country right now is that, oh man, just because the soccer moms and the suburban housewives don't want their little Johnny to go play football, you think that it's going to die? Do you think for a second that's what we're watching on NFL Sundays right now? No. And I, you can say that that's bad to say, but that's the truth. There will always be, I don't want to say impoverished, that's not the word I'm looking for, but there will always be aspiring young kids that want to find their way out of a situation because they see an opportunity that is a full-ride scholarship to play football. And we will always, as a public, love that sport. So I don't know how. Maybe someone can convince me otherwise. How in the world in 50 years is not the biggest? It has to be. How does it not? How does it not become the, how is it not still the biggest in the United States? Yes. It will always be. It will always be. There's no question about it. The health and safety thing is, uh, it's not nothing, but I will say it, it's part of the risk in all sports. It's, it's, I, we, we know, we know there is severe injuries that have happened. There is CTE that is legitimately a real problem. Uh, but I think for the great, for the, for the best athletes in, in the, in the country, the, the risk is the, the reward is worth the risk. That, that is what I'd say. And for the other countries, they will never adopt this sport ever. Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't see it. I don't, find, I, don't, I don't see a way. I think it'll be in other countries, yeah. um, but it won't have, like, their own league. I think, like, there might be a team. There might be an NFL team in London in 10 years, but it, the, the NFL will not have its own separate leagues in all over the world. That won't happen. Do you think uh, – question for the room. Do you think that the NFL has already gotten past their biggest concern or the biggest issue they were possibly ever going to have, which is – they didn't really take care of their players before. They had this group of players that have come through that everyone knew the game was somewhat dangerous, but they didn't really know the full repercussions. And CTE obviously has become a very, very popular uh, and notable thing to where if they can get past this little area, that is they've neglected some athletes. Now, I would argue, if you play football, you are fully knowing the risk going in. You can't yeah. – I'm not saying that these guys are playing woe is me. Don't get my words twisted, please. But you cannot play the woe is me card that rightfully so a certain group of players certainly can right now on the back end of 20 years from now because they've very openly at least – they've tried to hide it, 
but they now very openly have admitted, hey, this is a very dangerous sport. I, I think, yeah, I think that they have gotten, they've weathered that storm of, and, and, and unless there's some new disease that is, that per- percolates from, from playing football, um, yeah, I think they've weathered that storm. I think actually that there's going to be more improvements to protecting the players. Like you see, yeah. you see uh, in practice, they wear those, those paddings on the outside of their helmets. They don't wear them in the games, but almost across the board, they wear them on the outside of their helmets. I think that's going to be a regular thing, and I don't know why it isn't already. If, if you're doing it to protect your brain at practice, I don't know why you're doing it in the game. The reason that they don't do it in the game is because it's, it's not as pretty. It's not, it's, it's not yeah. as cool to see those, those Green Bay Packer helmets, the stripes of the Bengals, and, and, and all that good stuff. But I think we'll see that. I think he'd still get around to making those helmets pretty with those. But. I don't think – yeah, I, 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 it'll always be a sport. I think they're past the biggest hurdle, I, like you said. I do find it interesting how in the Olympics they are introducing flag football. So they're, they're introducing the world, uh, as it were, to the sport. Not that, not that the world isn't aware of what's happening with the NFL. They, everybody sure. has the internet. But I do think it, the, the flag football thing might offer a different solution uh, for those afraid of the risk. Yeah, the biggest, the biggest hurdle that football has in growing is simply by the amount of people that it takes to play. The reason, I agree. The reason, and the equipment. Yeah, I mean, like basketball, you need a ball and a hoop and two guys. One guy. I and mean, you can go out there and shoot by yourself. You can't do that with football. You need 22 guys at the, at the most. I mean, it might, you can get away with playing with a football and just slinging around in flag football, but it's, it's the fact that it takes so much infrastructure to play football, unlike other sports that are world-renowned, like basketball, like soccer. You, get, you, get, you can make us – I mean, we can play soccer right here with a football. You just make any box, and that's your goal, and it takes two guys, and you can play soccer. Baseball, even if – baseball takes some infrastructure, but if you got a ball and you got a bat, you can play. Right? Football, you need so many people. You need so much infrastructure to play at some capacity. Correct. No doubt. And I mean, whether or not that the world will ever become... I, I, my answer is yes. 50 years is a very, very long time. Um, if you look back at just society in general, 50 years ago, what was had to what is had now, significant difference. So I think that we're underestimating, and I don't say we're, but I think for the folks that are thinking that it cannot be a global game... I think you're underestimating the amount of money that the NFL has, the amount of, I guess, interest they've already clearly shown. They're playing games that are meaningful games overseas already. Putting teams that are playing in this league, not at risk, but they're certainly putting them at a disadvantage. Does anybody disagree with the fact that they're, they're already putting teams at a disadvantage by sending them to London, sending them to Germany? And whether or not you want to believe it makes that big of a deal, I don't know. When you fly first class, you're in private airplanes. Maybe air travel isn't as big of a deal. But if you're going to convince me that every single game matters in the NFL, and it does, when you are stretching the boundary of competitive advantage a little bit, you're already kind of tilting your hand in the fact that the NFL clearly wants to make this a global game. The question is, is will the rest of the world enjoy the game? I don't know. Um, I think it will. I really do. It'll start, it'll start small. It'll start seven on seven. It'll start flag football. It'll slowly evolve to academies. There's already, what, kicking academies in Australia that have plenty of kickers that have come over to the NFL from that. Eventually, it'll become academies in other countries, similar to baseball. Similar to baseball. There's 
Plenty of Dominican baseball academies. I can't wait for our first quarterback from like Lithuania. I can't wait because that's awesome. Do you think they can handle the pressure? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Right. Uh, you have some. You have some buy or sell today. Yeah, get that wallet out. We're gonna we're gonna buy and or sell. So here we go. We talked about this briefly um, at the beginning of the show, but we'll we'll rehash the same question. Lamar Jackson can cement himself atop the QB tier. Do you think he's QB number one if he wins the Super Bowl? Buy or sell? Mm, I will sell. All right. Still I, uh, Patrick Mahomes has got. He, he, I've always said I think Patrick Mahomes has been a little bit of the system guy, and we all know that. The only thing, and I know that sounds crazy to say, and I will be admit, maybe I've been wrong on this guy, this guy the whole time, but he genuinely has the worst weapons he's ever had around him. And if he finds a way to be competitive in this football game, it's hard for me to, to take him off the top. So I will, I will, I'm going to, I'm, I, I can't buy that now. Right. Well, it's funny. We, we keep moving back. You keep moving back the Patrick Mahomes goalpost because you said last year. What did I do? If, if he, if he beats the Philadelphia Eagles on the And that way, changed. That's when it all changed. I, I mean, in fact, I, I think, I, and Casey will admit to this. I, I think I even told Casey, maybe in private, because he's the only confidant that I have around here with this whole Patrick Mahomes thing. Everyone else is just a slappy. I think um, I'm the only one. I, I, I went, to, I went one. to Casey and said, this is getting tough, isn't it? It, it, it just is. Patrick Mahomes cemented something last year. Same way Tom Brady did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's going to continue moving. I will buy this. I, I actually, like, you know my, my opinions on Patrick Mahomes. I think he's one of the greatest that I've ever seen play the sport. But I think at this very moment that if Lamar Jackson can can go out, beat the Chiefs, and beat whoever he beats from the NFC in, in dominating fashion, not even in dominating fashion, but if they do it in dominating fashion, like they've pretty much beat up on the rest of the NFL this year, then, yeah, I don't know how you can take someone with that much – that that skill set and not say that they're, they're QB number one. I'm going to buy it. He's not going to be better than Patrick Mahomes, but he will cement himself as the second quarterback in the league. I think coming into this year, you would have given a hundred different, you would have surveyed a hundred different NFL fans, rank your top five quarterbacks. I think Lamar Jackson probably would have been that four or five spot every single list. Mm. They would have had Herbert ahead of him. They would have had Burrow ahead of him. It's not even a debate. If he were to win a Super Bowl, he's going to win his second MVP, which is going to put him ahead of both those two guys anyway. Uh, he's ahead of Allen because of it. Two MVPs, a Super Bowl, maybe two unanimous MVPs in a Super Bowl. I will take, I will take Lamar Jackson and, and Patrick Mahomes at the top two, and then there is a mile, maybe more than a mile of distance. Oh, come on. Between, oh, it's not close. Between Josh Allen? Josh not, Allen's right up there, too. He has two, Lamar Jackson has two MVPs in a Super Bowl. It would not be it would not be remotely close. I listen, I think we're we're discounting Josh Allen. And I think you're also wrong on on what you said about if you ask people before the year to rank the quarterbacks, I don't think a whole lot of people would have had Lamar Jackson in the top five. That's what I'm saying. I, I, I and again that's that's saying that they're negating the fact that he's a very efficient runner as well as a passer. They call him a running back and that's that. Uh, Drew Garrison in the chat says MVPs are worthless. I would I would say I disagree. But uh, and I would say everybody else does too. But what do I know? I'm just a young little boy. I think Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, by far and away, by far and away, if he were to win a Super Bowl, are the best two quarterbacks, and the rest aren't close. Uh, I'm not as uh, high on Lamar. I haven't been in his entire career, but he's continued to prove me wrong every single year. He just keeps getting better and better and better. Um, this year, he's proved a lot to me, and I know. My, my shtick about the Browns and my hate for the Ravens gets kind of old. Me being completely serious this week, 
Lamar would be the best quarterback skill-wise in the NFL. Not the most accomplished, not right. the most successful, but in terms of skill, in terms of what he brings to you for one game on a football field, Lamar is better than Patrick Mahomes 100% this year. All right. 100%. Well, he's going to have to prove it this weekend. Yeah, um, I have uh, – remind me about – remind me about um, – I don't want to ruin the segment, so remind me about Josh Allen at the end of the segment. Okay. Real yeah. quick, there are ten. There are only ten people who have won multiple MVPs. Just so we're clear, ten in the history of the sport. I don't know how you'd argue that Josh Allen or Burrow or anybody is remotely close to him. I think Josh Allen is right up there. We'll and, talk about it later. Yeah, yeah, what's what's, think, what's the next think, one? I think th those three would be in a tier of their own. But uh, all right, we'll go. We'll stick it in the quarterback talk. We'll do my favorite. Brock Purdy is the worst quarterback still playing. I'll start it off. I'll say bye. I'm buying this. <laughs> I think he's clearly not better than the AFC quarterbacks. He's clearly not better than Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes. So is he better than Jared Goff? No. Trace tried to argue it, does, if Jared Goff wins this game, does he deserve to be in the, 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 the top tier of quarterbacks? I don't know about that, but I certainly think that Brock Purdy is the worst quarterback still playing. I'll go a step further. I'll go a step further. I think he was the worst quarterback playing last week. But I'm buying. Uh, I'm going to buy. I think Brock Purdy stinks. I think that's a fraudulent quarterback that was been that has been blessed with the best system, scheme, and, and, and weapons in the NFL. Listen, I, I give him credit for capitalizing on the great people that he has surrounding him. But uh, if you're telling me I need a quarterback to win, win me a game, I'm not going to pick him out of the other four. I'm gonna buy I, this. I, I, I'm going. I'm going to buy this, but I, I also think there's an. It's not a hard buy, but it's is this an overreaction? Clearly, to the fact that he did not play well last week, but he made some plays when it mattered. It, 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 but he but he played pretty bad, if we're being honest. He did until that you final drive. Until that you final shouldn't drive. be able to win a game or get credit for winning a game and play as bad as Brock Purdy had. The last person that played a really as bad as he did and got credit for winning a football game, though, although it gets brought up, is Ben Roethlisberger when he won his first Super Bowl. That's that being said, I think you guys are overreacting here a little bit with Brock Purdy. To, to act like this guy hasn't been pretty damn good. I think is being a little disingenuous. That said, I am going to buy this. He is the worst of the four. Uh I am going to sell. I think uh the that award goes to um Jared Goff, but that again that gets overblown because I think Jared Goff is right there. I think he's good enough to win a, a Super Bowl. Um, I just think that Brock Purdy, I'd rather have his skill sets than Jared Goff. If they're on even teams, Brock Purdy's going to perform just a little bit better. Um, what would you just say? If they're on even teams. If they're on even teams. I thought you said they were on even teams. I was like, well, that's a take. No, no, they're not on even teams. But if they were on even teams, I do believe Brock Purdy would perform just a little bit better. Um, I think he's, I don't know, I, I, I would have to go back and look at it. I haven't really looked at it, but I don't feel like Jared Goff has had very many um, game-winning drives this year. Um, Brock Purdy just doesn't have enough uh, opportunities to really look at. So I, I don't know. From my Does Brock Purdy have game-winning drives other than the one last week? No, I'm that's that's sure. the only one, but that's really the only opportunity that he's had to to make one of those. Um, I was gonna say because I think like famously the, the other the other games that, that were just not even close, like the, losing the Bengals, losing the Eagles. Right. Um, 
the Vikings game actually. He he didn't. He, he threw an interception. They that, missed the field. They missed drive. the field goal against. I, the I, I don't know. I just like I like the skill set that Brock Purdy brings. I think he's more mobile. Uh, Jared Goff, he has to sit in the pocket, and uh, if he gets any pressure at all, he you know it's not going to go to the right guy. Whereas Brock Purdy at least tries to make the right throw, but is not as accurate. I don't know. It depends on which one you would rather take there. Bob, Brock Purdy is not a bad quarterback, yeah. right? Like, like he's not a bad. No, he's, he's not just a bad not. Quarterback. I, 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 I don't. I, why? I guess I think in he's a the way, worst quarterback that played last week. Like, uh, I think he's worse than Baker Mayfield. That's yeah. You lose. That's, that's uh, no, not happening. I think the, I think the 49ers would be better with Baker Mayfield than Brock Purdy. That's just wrong. But I like Baker Mayfield. You're putting me in a blender here. I, I okay. Here's the thing with the, this NFL quarterback thing. I and this is what I said at the beginning of the year to a certain extent about Jake Browning. I think a lot of these guys are pretty good, pretty serviceable. The the the, the mar- league has never had better quarterbacks. All these quarterbacks. I, I, I just think that the, the delta, the delta between most of these quarterbacks is not as big as we want to make it out to be. I do, of course. I, yes, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. Um, I, I don't know. There's there's a gap there. But my point is, is like, you're gonna hate me for saying this. I just don't think that there's as big of a difference between Joe Burrow and Jared Goff as we want to make it out to be. I don't think there's a big a dif- as big of a difference between Lamar Jackson and Brock Purdy as we want to make it believe. Is there a difference? Yes. But I don't think that's as significant as we want it to be, personally. Because we it's, a, it's an easier talking point. It's easier just to say, oh, they don't have a good quarterback. But Brock Purdy has shown that... He's serviceable with inside of, of, of the system they play within. And if it was super, super easy for anyone to do, then I don't think we'd have as many quarterback issues as we do in the league. What we have is we have teams that are dysfunctional. We have systems that are broken. We have people trying to rush quarterbacks to be something they're not before they are. And then all of a sudden we act like, oh, they're the problem. And I'm, of course, yes, I'm a Packers fan. But at some point, is the rest of the league going to say to themselves, you know what, maybe we should just try to adopt what the Packers have done, which is let's go find a guy we think is very, very good. Let's make them sit for three, four years. And then once we feel like they grasp the whole thing, we aren't just going to throw them to the wolves. Yes, there's a Joe Burrow every so often. There's a CJ Stroud every so often to where they come out in the league and they're ready to go and they look the part. But how many times have guys like Baker Mayfield have got put in positions, maybe you can convince me, like Justin Fields, Bryce Young is going to be put in that category now, to where they play on a bad team or they play on a team that's not ready to, to, to have them produce, and then we cast a shadow on them and say they're bad. That happens more than we want to give credit for. Yeah, that's, there's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. But, uh, next buy or sell. Next buy or sell. We'll keep. We'll go over to the AFC. Uh, the Chiefs have the least to lose this weekend. Ooh. Who starts that off, Elliot? I'll, I'll start it. The Chiefs have the least to lose this weekend. I will buy. I think they. they I don't think they. They lose anything this year. Uh, and again, this is just not to be what 
Reed is a Cubs, Chiefs, Notre Dame, Slappy. Steelers. Steelers. Steelers, Slappy over here. Um, but Patrick Mahomes in this team, clearly the offense, the offensive side of the ball has not been what they've been in the past. They've had 40-plus dropped balls this season, which leads the league by far. So, no, I, I don't think they have any – Patrick Mahomes certainly has nothing to prove. Uh, this would just be an add on the legacy, add on the dynasty that they've created in Kansas City. So I would agree. Trace? I've not bought anything more than that one. Right. Yep. That one's a, a pretty easy one for me. I, this Chiefs team's already overachieved. They have. Um, it pains me to say that. And I'm so sick and tired of seeing them. I'm so sick and tired of hearing about how Patrick Mahomes is great. I just am. And maybe it's hatred. Maybe it's bias. But it's exactly what it, it definitely seems like to me, someone convinced me otherwise, that these guys get every single benefit of the doubt known to mankind. I just want something to go their, not go their way. Like, I want, I want, game -winning I want on the final drive, Patrick Mahomes to get sacked and there not be a holding penalty. I want him to get sacked and there not be roughing the passer. We'll see if it happens. It's not going to. They're going to go to the Casey Super Bowl. Roo? Casey Roo? Uh The only other team that doesn't have much to lose is the Lions, and they've. They, I feel like they've overachieved this year, um, but I don't think it's. I, I think like most of us agree. I mean, the Chiefs have way overachieved, and they don't need another Super Bowl win to submit anything. They're still going to be regarded as a great team. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think it, I think I'm going to buy this chiefs are, they got nothing to lose here. It's Opposite way is the Niners, right? I was going to say, yeah, I was going to, the better question is, is who has the most to lose? And it's pretty clearly the Niners based off of how weak the NFC is, how they've looked like they've dominated that. And you have some very serious conversations <laughs> to be had. And they are one of the best quarterbacks. Well, I that's the other take about Brock Purdy that I have is he's probably the worst position on their feet, on their team, but, um, at least position group. But, yeah, clearly the Niners have the most to lose. The Chiefs have the least to lose. You, if you're the Ravens, you start asking, like, man, if this team couldn't get it done, who could? Lions going to look at themselves and say, will we ever get back to this position? I think they will, not to tease the next buy or sell. But, uh, yeah, the 49ers clearly, clearly have the most to lose to where if they don't get it done this year, uh, they don't have to win at all. They've got to win this NFC championship. I think they have to win it all. Okay, fair enough. Which, by the way, dead wrong. I was dead wrong. I looked at the look ahead lines. Uh, 49ers would be favored by, regardless of what team they play. So I was dead wrong on that one. Um, the final buy or sell is, and I've talked them up a lot, buy Jeez. or sell. Lions are perennial contenders. I'm buying this. I think this Lions team is very good. I think that they are good. Like, like everyone wanted to talk about how good that Texans team was. I still think there's a lot of holes on that Houston Texans team. I watched this Detroit Lions team play. They've got good weapons. They've got all pro linemen. They've got a good pass rush. They've got some decent guys in the secondary. Got good running backs. Like this is this is a pretty good roster. A really good roster. Casey alluded to it earlier. He said, listen, they're 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 like the 49ers, just probably a, a step below. This is a really good roster. I'm buying that the Lions are, are here to stay in the NFC. I'm going to sell, and that is because I don't believe in Detroit. I don't believe in their in their sports teams. I certainly don't believe in the Detroit Lions. 
I think they've been a failure of an organization for quite some time. And at some point you stick with the trend and the trend is, and it has been for many a decades is that they are a joke. So I think at some point it won't be this year. I think they've, they've, they've proved that they are a very good team this season, but eventually I, I do think this window, this little magic run that they have in one of the world's worst divisions uh, will, will come to an end. Define perennial. That seems to be a very important thing. Like, I'm not... How like, many years are we talking? Uh, I mean, like, for the conceivable three, four years, like the... the Will they win the NFC North more than two times in the next four years? I guess what I'm asking is, is do you think that they, this these team can be considered an NFC champion for the next few years? Like, will they be competing for an NFC championship game? I'm not saying maybe in that game. Like, the Bills compete for an AFC championship, I, even though they haven't been to the game. Because they're one of the best teams in the AFC. It's Do you think the Lions are consistently going to be in the postseason and winning games in the Yeah, playoffs? it's borderline for me because I think that their, their, their division, and again... It's about to get a lot tougher. I think it is. I think the Packers are going to be pretty damn good, but I also think the Bears are close. I think Caleb the Bears, yeah. whether no matter who they go with, I'm telling you, the Bears team itself is better than people want to give it credit for. They they have a quarterback that's not been really that good, and they are within a three-point spread on almost every single game they play. So you're telling me they get the number one pick, and then they have the, they have a couple they have another first-round pick. Like at some point, the Bears are going to be pretty decent. So. For that reason, I think the Lions will will, will end up being a team that's so like the, the you know the Lions might be they'll be like the um, um, I don't want to say the 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 Chargers because I think they might be a slightly a little bit better than the Chargers, but I could see them being like the Chargers, where they're supposed to be good. And they had one good run, although the Chargers really didn't have any good runs. The Chargers have, have been in the postseason one time. and They, they have, point but lead. I'm just saying in general, when people bring up the Chargers, they give them a lot of credit. Similar to why I think Josh Allen gets a little way too much credit than he does. But I'm going to say right. no. I'm selling that. Casey? Uh, Lions, the next three or four years being playoff contending team. Uh, I'll buy that. I think uh, – like I said, they they are like a step below the 49ers. I think um, they've done a lot of retooling, building, and I mean, I, I called it last year saying that that was a, a playoff-worthy roster. They just hadn't mm -hmm. figured it out just quite yet. And the guys that they got Shout this last draft, I mean, all of them have really been phenomenal. Um, Gibbs, uh you know, we got we got the Sam Laportas, we have Jack Campbell, I mean the list goes on and on. Brian Branch, like those guys. Um they've they just hit a lot of good picks this this last couple of years and it's hard to believe that they won't get it right again with the rate that they're at. So yeah, I'll I'll buy it. I think uh I think they're a playoff worthy team, uh NFC championship worthy team next couple of years. All right. Trace, you had a take on Josh Allen, and based on what you said just a minute ago, it's going in a much different direction than I thought you were going to go in. Really? I, I, I just think that Josh Allen gets way more credit than is deserved. The guy, the guy If we're going to give uh, precedent to people that do things in regards to winning, he's not done that. 
Like you can't give them a pass from the year prior either when the Bengals came in and slaughtered them as well. Like he's won nothing. He's won nothing. And he plays in a terrible division. He has won nothing and plays in a terrible division. And you can say whatever you want about Miami, but they have a horrible quarterback in Tua. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. Tua, I've come to realize, in my opinion, cannot win you a Super Bowl unless he has a world-class offense around him. And on top of that, he gets to play in Miami, not only for the first round, the second round, and the championship game, but also they better hope that the game is also played in Miami for the Super Bowl. He's So I guess Josh Allen, some of it is a matter of whether or not you get even a chance to be in the postseason. And Josh Allen plans in a division that should allow him to play in the postseason every single year. And he continues to be, and I'm not saying him specifically, but he continues to not get over the proverbial hump. And yes, he played great, if you want to call it that. But it still didn't, he still didn't get it done. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is what I talked about earlier in the show, is they, there's a lot of similarities to what Josh Allen has done in the early, early years of Peyton Manning, where Peyton Manning didn't win a playoff game until his seventh year in the league. If you go back over the last four years, this current iteration of the Buffalo Bills, only one team in the league has won more games. In fact, only one team in the league over the last four years has won more playoff games than the Buffalo Bills. Only one team. That's the Kansas City Chiefs. And yeah, they keep running into the same Kansas City Chiefs. They've lost to them now three times in the postseason. But I think that they Josh... They didn't run into him last year. He didn't. I mean, he's... Yeah. He they lost got him. bullied and demolished. Yeah, against a very the good... Bengals. Against a team that, that at that point had won 10 games in a row was, was very, very good and was a few plays away from getting to the Super Bowl for the You're second You're talking about year. the same team that was, a, that was a week removed from Tyler Huntley being an idiot and being bounced in the first round of the playoffs at home? Uh, yeah. yeah, that same team. Yeah, that team that won that game. Yeah, that team. I um, understand that, but you can't sit here and tell me that that team was some freaking di- like some dynasty. That was the best Bengals team of my lifetime, and I and I don't even think you can can deny that. That was without a doubt the best Bengals team of my lifetime. They won twelve <laughs> games, better than the playoff, better than the Super Bowl team. Super Bowl team won. You don't think games. the year that Andy Dalton got hurt, that that team wasn't better? Yeah, because the quarterback was quarterback play. Also, Josh Allen in his postseason. In his postseason career, averages 270 yards passing, 21 touchdowns, four interceptions. Oh, yeah, and he also averages rushing the ball about uh, 65 yards a game rushing. So Josh Allen is undoubtedly a top three quarterback in the league. Josh, the, the Buffalo Bills are, are one of the best teams that we've seen over the past four years. I just mentioned that they just keep running into the same buzzsaw that is the best dynasty that we've seen since the Patriots. The Bills' windows is, seems to be closing. They do have some contract issues. There's no doubt about that. The Von Miller contract, we talk like we always, Tom, you always, you got to go out and get these big names. And what do the Bills go out and do? They get out and get this Super Bowl champion coming off a hot year and Von Miller. And that Von Miller contract looks absolutely atrocious. It's probably the worst contract in the, in the league. McDermott's going to get fired, too. I don't know if McDermott's going to get fired. Seems like the right time to get rid of him, if I'm going to be honest. 
it seems like all these, and again, you, you can call them failures, not call them failures uh, these seasons. But obviously, the end, uh, your, your end goal in each season is to win the Super Bowl, to win your last game. Uh, and they have not done that for quite some time now. And I think there is a time for a change because when you have one of the best quarterbacks in the world, there is added pressure, and they do. The reason that I like Sean McDermott keeping his job is almost the exact reason, opposite reason of why I want Nick Sirianni to lose his job. Like I've, I've said this multiple times on the show that I thought what happened to the Philadelphia Eagles is the worst example of coaching um, in the NFL, maybe that I've ever seen. Like I, like you guys can laugh at me. I think Hugh Jackson or Brandon Staley takes that ten and one Eagles team and does something better than what Nick Sirianni did in the second half of the year. The Buffalo Bills were seven and six. And this story comes out that charged the internet about Sean McDermott quoting 9-11 in the, in the locker room. And everyone's like, oh my God, this is terrible. This dude, this dude clearly should lose his job, right? And what happens? They rattle off six of their last seven, win a playoff game, go down and, and had a chance to tie um, the Kansas City Chiefs in the divisional round. And they roar back and they play better after that. That's great coaching. That's that's getting a team on your side. So who are you really crediting then? Because it doesn't sound like you're crediting McDermott. It seems like you're crediting somebody else. What are you saying? No, I'm just asking. Who are you crediting? Well, well what are you? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna insinuate anything. It just seems like based on what you just said on who he was using to, uh, you know, pump the team up. It seems like that. That's. Do you know that story? I. Oh, I know the story. He did it three years ago. Oh, I'm aware of the story. I'm just saying it just seems like. So when it when it, when it a story doesn't... like that breaks, you can crumble as a clubhouse, and what happens? They get better. I agree. I agree. He didn't have that speech that day. It was a powerful speech. Hmm. Do you do you think though that it really ultimately matters? In regards to what a coach says or doesn't say, I, I sometimes this league seems to be ran mostly by players, and schem schem scheme definitely matters. I'm not trying to downplay it, but sometimes so, you just so have a pretty decent credit. Not Andy Reid. What's that? So players deserve credit, not coaches. Patrick Mahomes deserves the credit, not Andy. Reed. I do think Patrick Mahomes deserves credit. Yes, I do. Okay. I also think Patrick Mahomes has been put in a great situation. I think Josh Allen. We'll see what he is. We'll see what he ends up being. He just gets put on this pedestal. I mean, where you're putting you're putting him there. You're putting him there with Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. What does he have that Do you those? Watch him, dude. Yeah, I watch him. He turns the ball over. Okay, so why? Well, time out. Time out. Time out. Time out. Time out. Time out. I mean, take as many time at this as you moment. Need. <laughs> at this moment, why would Lamar Jackson be held over Josh Allen? Because he's won. Won what? He's 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 won. As, I guess my question is: Has he's he won what? Has he ever been to the AFC Championship game? Josh Allen, yeah. He has. Yeah. Then I'm an idiot. Yeah. Who did he lost to the Chiefs? Lost to the Chiefs. They lose to the Chiefs every year except for last year. AFC Championship game. Loses that was to the, the game. So to be clear, this is where my brain's obviously a, a pretzel right now. You're telling me that the that the, the, that they blew the game against the Chiefs to get to the Super Bowl the year that that. The back and forth with 13 seconds left? That was in the divisional round. Okay, then it was a year before that. Correct. Got to use the MVP thing, Coach. Okay. The MVPs would have helped you out there. What's that? No, I listen, if you're one of the, I know the MVPs with Lamar, Lamar Jackson, Jackson. has two playoff wins. Josh Allen has five. I also Lamar understand. Lamar has two MVPs. 
Josh Allen has. He has zero. I get that. Right. But I also think that <laughs> that well. suggesting that suggesting that Lamar Jackson and and Josh Allen are the same player. I just I'm not buying that. I'm just saying, like, if 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 we're gonna like say that Josh Allen doesn't get to get put in the same category as Lamar Jackson because Lamar Jackson has achieved more. To me, that sounds a little freaking silly because they, they've had the exact same career other than the one MVP that Lamar Jackson's won and presumably the second. So MVP. if Lamar Jackson wins this weekend, are you going to separate him? I've already said that if Lamar Jackson wins right. the Super Bowl, he's the top of the, the quarterback chain. But I still think that Josh Allen's right there. I just don't. When I watch the football game, and, when you I watch, don't. I don't see. <laughs> I don't see Josh Allen anywhere near Lamar Jackson. I don't. I just don't, man. When I watch football, there are. Well, because he makes some fun plays, he does some some whirly birds and runs around, and gets seven yards on a scramble. Is he a fidget? What spinner? does Lamar Jackson do? Is, is Josh Allen a fidget spinner? Is Josh Allen a fidget spinner? Who has scored more touchdowns? Over the past – in the last four years than, than Josh Allen. Nobody. I'll tell you what. One thing Lamar Jackson has to do, he has to play the Browns, the Bengals, and the Steelers. I'll That's tell you who, a fair point. I'll tell you who he doesn't. That's a fair point. I'll tell you who he doesn't get to play. The Dolphins. Played him this year. The Dolphins have won 10 games in the last two years. Yeah, and there are nobodies when it comes the to the Patriots who won t- 10 games There's two years never ago. been a bigger fraud in the NFL than the Miami Dolphins. What about the Jets? They were pretty good. Jets are historically pretty bad. Good who's job, the, Who's the other team in their division? Oh, yeah, that's right. The Patriots, when they lost Tom Brady, magically the Bills became good. That was, must have been a coincidence. Yeah, I mean, the Bills made the postseason when Tom Brady was still there. His last year? You're saying they, they were good before after he left. And just they made the postseason My point before. is is that it's just not the same division either, which matters a lot to me. I don't know how – I in, in, in all seriousness, as we're talking about this Josh Allen thing, I think the craziest take that you've said is that you watch Josh Allen and you're not amazed by him. I, would, I think he I would, has I would, great argue, plays, would, yes, but I'm not argue, putting him – Have you been watching him then? Because he's he's up there like, like Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson – um, Josh Allen, and then the the guy actually that I that I fall in love with too is Matt Stafford. Does does similar incredible stuff. I don't know. We'll find out if I'm wrong. He gets to play longer. Hopefully, he has a long, injury free career, and we'll get to see what Josh Allen ultimately ends up becoming. I'm just not going to put him in the same category as Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. Not happening. Under any circumstance, don't care. I don't care. If Lamar Jackson loses this weekend, don't care. But I'm pretty sure if Lamar Jackson wins the Super Bowl, he still has a worse playoff record than Josh Allen. What are you going off of percentage? I guess is that what we're doing? Yeah. All right. Gotcha. Fair enough. So, would you would you do me fewer, a favor? Would you do me fewer, a favor? Fewer losses. Would you? Too? Would, fewer, you fewer would you humor me just for a second? Wins. And I don't know this off the top of my head, so I could be made a fool right here in front of everyone. As I've already done today. I'm excited. I've already thought someone's passed away. Wasn't wasn't the case? Didn't know. Didn't know that uh, that um, Josh Allen made the AFC Championship game. But just must have flown right over the radar. Must have not been a big enough of a performance Sling, for me to I'm remember. Ready. I am ready. Who has he beaten in the postseason? I'll tell you. Tyler no, well, Thompson. Yeah. Will you please do that for me? Name the quarterbacks he's beaten. 
I think they beat the Titans once. He has um, beaten a guy, I don't know, named Lamar Jackson. You sure Lamar Jackson wasn't hurt? Let's pull up these stats when they played head-to-head. Just want to make sure. Lamar Jackson, 14 of 24. It's pretty bad. 164 Uh, yards, 34 rushing. Damn. Okay. So – Good. When Good they news. played head-to-head in the postseason, Josh Allen's won. He Damn. has more playoff wins. He has more regular season wins. He scores it. more than Lamar Keep Jackson. Going, you were Keep so, going. You were so close, and then you lost it there. You lost it all right there. Who else? You don't you want to name the other ones, though? You don't want to name the other ones, obviously. Okay. The biggest asset's the two MVPs, and you just refuse to use them. You got them in your back I don't need to. I, 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 he's going to be an AFC champion this year. He beat future Hall of Famer Phillip Rivers. Mm. Gotcha. That's when Phillip was really bad. He beat the New England Patriots. Is that Phillip on the Colts? Yeah. Oh, that was really bad, Phillip. Gotcha. Beat Sky Tom. You know, it turns into like what I said before. You start to tear down everybody when you try to compare two greats. Listen, Josh Allen's a good player. I'm not going to put him in the same category as those guys. Simple as that. We'll find out what ultimately ends up becoming. Today's Wednesday. There is box lunch, right? Yeah. Correct. Um, What's on box lunch? Me. Yeah, it's just. What's your biggest category? Well, I mean, I have to go look at them again, but I have them all. I've all. I've them all saved. So come on and join. Um, my voice is about to be Australian completely gone. Tennis. That's what we're talking completely about. Completely gone. Your pride should be gone after that last fifteen. Nah, minutes. listen. I, 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 like I said, I don't know. I'm not a history buff on the uh, Buffalo Bills. And we're going to talk about the NL Central too. So, my apologies. The NL Central. NL Central. Yeah. So, despite all the facts Fun that I division. just threw at you, are you yeah. going to dig your heels into Josh Allen's not up there with Lamar? Or are you? Are you? I don't going? believe that he is. No. Okay. No. And and, and you know what? Of, based off your eyes at this point, because all the facts are thrown out. Well, you don't want to. You you don't want to use the MVPs, which is fine. That's <laughs> <Okay>. fine. <laughs> there it is. He got it. He no, it's not even just that. It's like it. it's not even just I was, that. I, he had it in his pocket. Right. <laughs> Chatterbox Reds tonight, 9 p.m. We got Craig. We got Bryce. We got Nick. And that. Reds in four. We'll see if they can come together and d- debate whether Stuart Fairchild should be an everyday right fielder for right. Cincinnati Reds. I don't think that he will be, no. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say uh, so. I, I think it's safe to say that I he think Nick would say he is, though. Probably shouldn't be. I, I, I did have a letter. We didn't get to it today. We'll get it to it tomorrow. I promise you. Who that. was the letter from? Uh, it was from, I believe it was from Little Pete from Mrs. Rose's class. Oh, was it? Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. I love so that. So I think I think Tom's gonna really like that one tomorrow. <laughs> Tom, Tom's gonna walk out of here if you start bringing up Hall of Fame stuff again. Well, that's what we're gonna do. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for listening to my raspy voice all day. Box lunch. Sounds great. Box lunch is next. And yes, Lindsay's okay. I don't know, Everett. See everybody.